Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today we are on our, I don't know, lost count. Tenth. Tenth episode of our feminism series. Man, this uh, the series is still going. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we've been doing this series for like I think our whole lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm just like, no. I didn't expect it to be this expansive. And I think because it's the first time we're like, we have to talk about every series like I feel like in the past like with time travel like sometimes there's no time travel in like in Lower yeah. Decks you know um which totally. is exactly what we're talking about today Lower Decks woo woo this is amazing we're finally here Ashlyn this is such a beautiful beautiful day to be talking about Lower Decks I'm really really excited yeah and I also just want to thank the listeners we've had a couple of weeks off from recording the pod because I had COVID and then we were in Colorado celebrating my bridal shower and having my bachelorette party and everything which was awesome uh so we we are refreshed we are ready to continue potting and i always think that breaks are breaks do us so good because we can come back ready to go and i do start live yeah (laughs) and i do start missing the pod i really really do so it just makes me reconfirm that like this is an addiction i have to feed is recording and watching star trek (laughs) oh my gosh well ashlyn literally during our like quote unquote dry spell that week we were doing a podcast I was literally watching, because I've been watching You Space Nine from the beginning, and so I just, when I have spare time, I'll just keep going on my rewatch. So I was watching New Space Nine and watching Strange New Worlds as it was coming out, and then, of course, adding on Lower Decks for our watch list. So, Ashlyn, do you want to let the listeners know what we watched this week for feminism in Lower Decks? Yeah, I would love to. Um, So we are going to start off with Tendi, where we watch scenes from Crisis Point, no small parts. Mugado Gumado. <laughs> Mugado Gumado. Well, hey, guess what? The Gumado can be pronounced in so many different ways. So you can literally say it however you want and it's pronounced correctly. Exactly. Thank you, Rihanna. Um, yeah. So Mugado Tomato. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the scenes also from The Spy Humongous. And then we are going to be talking about Ta'ana, of course, uh, with Strange Energies, and then also Mugato Kubato, (laughs) (laughs) followed by Female Friendships. So we watched Cupid's Air and Arrow, and we'll always have Tom Paris. Then we're going to be talking about Captains and Officers in Much Ado About Boimler, especially the scenes with Captain Ramsey, and then No Small Parts. Sorry, a lot of these are repeat, but... You know, you know how yeah. we do. Um, and then we saw uh, first first contact and wage douge. Yeah, <laughs> like, don't know how to. Don't know if that's right. Um, <laughs> and then we're gonna be finishing off with Freeman and Mariner. So for Freeman, we watched Temporal Edict, 
and I should say Captain Freeman because they're both Freeman. So yeah. he watched Temporal Edict, No Small Parts, uh, I Excretist, First First Contact, and then we will be ending with Mariner, where we watched Second Contact, Moist Vessel, and Mugato Potato. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we really loved that episode. There's a lot of feminism in that. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Ashlyn, I'm like basically so thrilled that we get to start with Tendi because Rihanna like, we, oh, I we, know, we have to do respect women but oh, I'm just okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like don't forget the order of operations yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> no I'm just um, already very excited about this list because you know honestly there's like a good amount of women in lower decks and I'm wow birds and I'm really glad that we get a time to speak about a bunch of different types of women as well so yeah I think it's great that because you know obviously we're going to follow the stories of four different or of four main we're going to follow the stories of four main characters and so it's cool that it's half women in this case and it gives a lot of different variations when they're mixing and matching characters Rhiannon and I were just talking about this last night when we were uh discussing the when we were discussing the latest Strange New Worlds episode, I'm not going to say any spoilers, but yeah. it's just so good in this new episodic series that you can mix and match like these weird combinations of characters. And uh, I think we get that a lot with Lower Decks too. And I think, you know, it's it also has an episodic nature. And so yeah. it's, it's great and easy to do that. And we see all these different sides of characters come out. It's really the core of Trek is like what I love so much about getting to see getting to see random pairs of people together you know it, it it really brings out such a different my god I'm also just a menagerie I'm just gonna say <laughs> everybody that like Archie is meowing a lot and He's so not happy yeah you're, you're just gonna hear him so yeah. just enjoy him yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay so Ashlyn let's ask the very important question of this week which is of course which man or person who does not identify as a female, do you think drinks the most respect women juice in Lower Decks? I, I mean, once again, we have so many men to choose from. Right. Uh, my, like, <laughs> my instinct, which I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's wrong, but my first instinct is to say Shaq's because I just yes! like, I love Shaq so much, but honestly, I haven't seen him interact with that many women. True. Um, except Captain Freeman, and so, and well, he loves Tana. <laughs> <laughs> they interact in a very yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> so I'm actually gonna go with Rutherford because I feel like he just like interacts and treats women like how they are. He doesn't put on, he doesn't act weird around them. He doesn't have any expectations for them. And I think just in general, he's really good about meeting people where they are and accepting people for who they are. So I just love Rutherford and I feel like he, yeah, he's a great officer. He's a great person and he really respects women. Wow. That you stole my answer. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, um, I knew you were going to choose Rutherford. <laughs> but also I will argue Boimler will be my, my other choice because I feel like similarly, it's not really a question of if they're women. It's just a question of if they're competent, you know, he's going to get on Mariner's butt about, doing things off of protocol, but he'll also, like, not even be surprised when Tendi makes a dog from scratch, you know? Like, we have these things where he's not judging them because they're women, he's judging them because of, like, if they're skilled and if they're sort of Starfleet material. Um, 
And so I think that that is, like, important because a lot of people will assume stuff about women and Boimler doesn't do that. And I think that's what makes Rutherford and Boimler such good friends as well to Tendi and Mariner is because they have this underlying just equal um, equal status and respect for everyone. I agree. Boimler is a great answer. I feel like he's so obsessed with improving himself, like, rank-wise, yeah. that that's how he views everyone, and so I Literally. think it aids, like, like what you were saying, <laughs> I think it aids to being respectful of everyone, because... Yeah, you just assume everyone's gonna excel. Doesn't care about the gender, you just gotta do your work well. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to mention, too, like, even with Ensign Barnes, you know, that Rutherford goes out with, I think that he's still, even though he's, like doesn't really pick up her signals at least in the first go around he doesn't pick up her like she just wants to make out while the the elevator or while the turbo lift was glitching and even then you know that's just him sort of being like too obsessed with science but he's so they're such like they're so amazing because they work together on the ship during a crisis and he still like wants to date her and hang out with her and they have this really beautiful balance that like is like only in Starfleet can you find like people fighting a shipwide crisis while going on a date totally agree totally agree yeah um well let's start with Tendi yes oh my gosh so um Ashlyn I just want to quickly give like a, a, a Tendi toast a Tendi love fest because Great. I think that she is a really brilliant character to have represented on Lower Decks, not only because she's an Orion, but also because she's defying a lot of stereotypes about Orions and stereotypes about women Orions. Because, like, for so long in Star Trek, it's always about the slave girls. And it's been this really horrible stereotype and, like, perpetuation of women in only, like, sex work roles as a certain race. And I'm really just so, like honored that Star Trek created a character like Tendi. And I think that's overlooked because there are episodes, of course, where she talks about her heritage and how she's not like other Orions and stuff. She's not like the other girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's still kind of understated because Mariner is our main character and a lot of our story focuses on her journey and everything. And so it's really cool that when we get to see these moments of Tendi fighting back against stereotypes of Orions and of that culture and of sort of this like toxic idea around Orion women particularly. Yeah, and that actually starts in the episode Crisis Point because Mariner is going on her holodeck therapy adventure Yeah, and she has casted her friends into all these various roles and Tendi is a slave Orion girl, Mm -hmm. um, just like typical pirate Orion. And Tendi, like at first she's going along with it, but you can tell she's uncomfortable and then she, throughout the episode, continues to voice her like uncomfortability with it she's like this is not cool like you're just putting me in this stereotype and i I love the line uh orions some orions haven't even been pirates for five years yeah (laughs) come on (laughs) (laughs) playing into that like stereotype but um yeah so i i'm happy that she felt close enough and like able to stand up for herself enough to tell mariner that this is not okay because i feel like a lot of the time in different social situations people just let them like let themselves be made fun of because it's for the good of the group you know it's like oh i'll just like go along with this because everyone else is laughing and it's fine but tendy's like this is not cool 
And I just feel like that's something that should be more normalized is people should be free to speak up when something bothers them in that way. And people should just, you know, just be okay with that. And I think Mariner has a hard time because she's Mariner is so focused on herself and so focused on like trying to get through this plot and her therapy um, that she's not stopping to pay attention to her friend's needs. It's sort of, this dynamic is really interesting to me because I think it shows a lot of Mariner's shortcomings as a character. And once again, we talked about this in Picard last last time, um, but I really do love a good flawed character because it actually makes it feel like they're real. And it makes it feel like, okay, these are genuine problems that people go through. I mean, I'm thinking Mariner's sort of acting like having a minority friend for the first time, you know, where she's like making all these assumptions about them and putting them into boxes and then having to unlearn all of that based on their teachings. And it sucks that Tendi does have to teach her this because it shouldn't be on her. It should be on Mariner to do that work. But sometimes you need that person in your life to be like, hey, do this work, (laughs) you know, and then it sort of kicks her into gear. Um, Particularly because Mariner has like no stereotypes when it comes to Ferengi or certain Klingons, you know, like a lot of other species so she's interacted with. So my only guess is that Mariner has not interacted with a lot of Orions because Tendi's probably one of the first in Starfleet or at least one of few you know, and particularly one of you who maybe don't act the way that her, like, other Orions would. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it's it's easy to put her in a box. And I'm just so proud of Tendi because I, like, what I love also so much about Lower Decks is that I can see a bit of myself in every of the four main characters, you know? Like, see some sometimes I see parts of myself that I don't really love. Like, I see that part of Tendi who's sort of a doormat, at least in the beginning. I love how when Tendi is scanning everyone who doesn't want the scan, their physical, um, you know, she's like being more assertive at everything. And she says, a lot's changed since earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love, I love this mentality that like, you know, you can even change in a day and you can like start to develop sort of a like tougher skin and learn how to speak up for yourself in, you know, in these small ways. And then once you have that 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 skill and that ability you can then utilize that for more circumstances and so it's really cool because we see tendy in the beginning being very like not even shy like i wouldn't describe her as shy i just describe her as like um really a people pleaser and really wanting everyone to be happy even at the expense of herself and i'm like pointing at myself like right now that's me and that is like something of uh, a thing that i really like get tired of myself doing I get really exhausted with myself doing that kind of stuff and so when I see Tendi doing it I'm like ah yes I know this and so also then getting to see her break out of that mold and speak up for herself against Mariner against a friend you know like Dumbledore says in Harry Potter it takes a good deal of courage to stand up to your enemies but a great deal more to stand up to your friends you know and boom I just think that that is so true and I think that Tendi is so brave for doing this and it's something that like doesn't get enough credit is literally just speaking up for yourself because women especially have so little room to speak up for ourselves because we're taught not to or we're taught to be quiet be in the corner or you know just like all of this stuff that is that is in society taught women to tamper themselves down in order for men or other people to feel comfortable and no one puts Tendi in a corner. And that's what she finally says, too, you know? And so this, like, character development for Tendi is one of the most beautiful in the series because we see it in these different ways and we see it grow into this, like, 
incredible confidence that she has by the end of season two. Rihanna, I'm clapping for you. I mean, like, <laughs> amazing. <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo! I just really love Teddy, okay? Bravo! <laughs> um, all right, wow. I mean, I agree with everything you said. A couple things I want to throw in just to kind of add to your points there yeah. um, is that I – so right from the beginning, because we also watched, you know, Crisis Point during this rewatch, and uh, – I just love the opening scenes with Tendi because I feel like you get to know who she is right away. She comes on totally. the Cerritos. She's so excited. She's so pumped. And she's over, like, she's just, she's so excited. It's, like, overwhelming for everyone around her, you know. Totally. And she's trying to shake the guy's hand and say, I'm so honored to be on the Cerritos. This like, is the best day in my life. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you're not important. And I know that's what they're trying to, like, prove, especially in the first episode. Like, this is Lower Decks. Calm down. Totally. Um, but... I think that's kind of Tendi's thing is that she's a very positive person mm -hmm. and she's very passionate about what she does and very excited about life, which is amazing and like such a good asset to Starfleet. And then also totally. what you said about her like being such a people pleaser is so true. And I, um, I know we didn't watch this episode for Tendi, but the one where uh, she is trying to help the guy ascend. Yes. Because um, she ruins his, like, sand thing on yeah, the floor he's been doing yeah. for two years. Um, I I think that is, like, the perfect example of her being a people pleaser to the point of her own destruction because she's using her vacation days yeah. to, like, help this guy ascend. And um, she doesn't give up. And at the end, he ends up ascending. It's very scary. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I helped. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! But she says, like, because they, you know, it comes to a breaking point. She's like, I do this because when someone doesn't like me, it's like obsessive compulsive, where she has mm -hmm. to, she will do anything to get that person to like them back. And so that's, you know, that's the edge of, oh Lord, the pe you know, the people pleasing yes. can't go too far. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Mar Mariner, I, Tendi's just awesome. And then lastly, I just want to do a shout out to her because. It's true that there are not many Orions in Starfleet. We see in Discovery Season 3 spoiler that um, the Orions don't even, like, talk about joining Starfleet until, like, yeah. the, the the year 9,000 or <laughs> whatever year yeah. it is, um, 900 mm -hmm. years in the future. Um, so that's crazy. And I think the only Insane. other Orion that I know of in Starfleet is actually in the Star Trek 2009 series where Kirk yeah, like bangs Gala. that lady, yeah. bangs her as roommate. Gala. Um, yeah. yeah, Gala. And, um, that's so true. Yeah. So like shout out to Gala and Tendi, you know, like, yes, these women, Orion and Starfleet just breaking barriers. Really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And, um, I think too, let, let's talk a little bit about because, like, I think it's so interesting that uh, episode you're talking about with, with her trying to make him ascend. Um, because she does learn a lot about herself in that episode, you know. And um, it doesn't really change because it's also Lower Dex is teaching us that those habits don't change overnight. You know, you don't just... I, even though, like, we have that joke of, like, I've changed a lot since earlier today. You know, like, still, Tendi, the end of the episode, is like, I'm not going to care as much about what people think of me anymore. And Rutherford's like, yeah, I mean, there's probably a few people on the ship who don't like you. And, like, that's fine. And then, of course, she's, like, up on his bunk, like, who doesn't like me? Who, who said that? What do you mean? You know, and so I think there's something sort of, like, also kind of beautiful about that in a way. You know, it's like, ah, oh, Tendi, like, haha. But it's also sort of, like, I understand it doesn't just go away overnight like my dad would tell me all the time he's like 
one day you're not going to care what other people think about you and it's going to be so freeing. And I'm like, when <laughs> can we get to that day faster, please? You know, so I, it's just, it, it is a journey of like, you have to start to change those ideas for yourself. And she did make that first step, even though he did ascend and it was this like <laughs> kind of traumatic experience for all around. Oh yeah. Well, and I feel like that's something that everyone can relate with. And I feel like especially women because, or it, at least in my experience, people pleasing is like my number one priority in life. Yes. And I didn't, it's taken me years to realize this, but now I'm like, oh my gosh, do I only like, like, am I only who I am because it's what other people like and expect me to be like? And right. I worry about this all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, have I changed my personality that much that I'm like only who I am because of other people, which, you know, like is true to an extent, like we all affect each other and change each other, but sometimes it's worth not getting along with people, you know, um, especially like wild, crazy people, um, who don't serve you. Yeah. And so I think I'm not as outspoken uh, like Tendi is just jumping up and down. Who doesn't like me? But if Rutherford said that to me, I would, I would also be like, well, what's going on like (laughs) I need names (laughs) I'm gonna have a talk with them I need to see why they don't like me like what did I do wrong you know yeah yeah I think it does come from this insecurity point you know and I think and it's probably partly cultural and partly just like emotional you know I think that um particularly if you're told you're something your whole life and if you told you're just like an Orion slave or a thief or a thief or a pirate or whatever then I think maybe a part of you is going to start to believe that or is going to start to internalize that. And so I think that it could also be Tendi's way of overcorrecting, you know, mm. for her Orion that's background. That's a great point. Yeah, because that, that's what I worry most about for her, especially in the episode um, we'll always have Tom Paris where her and Mariner are going on their girls trip, which we'll discuss more in a little bit. But um, just from Tendi's perspective, she, when she meets her cousin, who's a Orion uh pirate on this like pirate area of Orion's base and um she is going to him to help get this post fix for for Tana and she has to be like really bad to him she has to hit him she has to like say like I'm like not older but like I like have more power over you and she has to become this sort of like uh, I don't know how to call it. I was going to say dominatrix, but not like in yeah. a sexual way. No, it's yeah. more like, uh, I was going to say that too. She has to become this like sort of tyrannical like person really quickly. And she like turns to Mariner and says like, this is a part of Orion culture that makes me really uncomfortable, but like I have to do it. And so I think about that scene a lot, honestly, because I think that it's a, it's maybe a type of code switching that can be really uncomfortable and I think and I I just want to shout out to women who exist in different cultures and who maybe like you know are a part of a bunch of different cultures and who have to do some maybe uncomfortable code switching sometimes or things that make them not uncomfortable about a certain culture they're in and I just like want to shout out people because that is that sounds really really difficult and it's not something I've ever really even considered and it really shows my like white like limited viewpoint you know and and so I'm really glad that Lower Decks brought up something that's like kind of a serious point of course they made it a little bit they didn't make it a joke but of course it's in this like funny show so it helps to lighten the mood um 
when you get these darker moments, but I'm still glad that they brought it up because it's it's essential to understanding Tendi's character. And when that scene happened, I was like, a lot of stuff clicked for me for her character. Like, oh my gosh, no wonder she's always trying to be this like nice, amazing person because she's trying to sort of get rid of this cultural part that she doesn't like that is like, you have to be nasty to people that are your family. Wow. Once again, Rian, you are, man, did you get a lot of sleep last night? You're... <laughs> have a lot of just amazing points today <laughs> thank you i feel refreshed i have my chai <laughs> it's that non-caffeinated chai that's doing it isn't it yeah, yeah. not like vibrating out of my skin yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah man what can i say just fantastic <laughs> thank you yeah. um i so i i want to move into her like obsessive behavior a little bit because yeah i like what you're saying like and i think it's totally right that she's trying to offset all of those expectations by being someone who's like bubbly and charming and yeah um completely different from orion stereotypes but mm-hmm. she also and i think I, i'm trying to I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's because of like her desire to be in Starfleet and desire to people please, but also like work really hard um, because she can get extremely obsessive. And in the episode, strange energies, I think this is where um, Rutherford's like uh, brain is freaking out. His like the cyborg part of his brain is um, like broken for a second. And then Tendi's freaking out that, because he likes pears all of a sudden that his personality is changing and he has this like really rare disorder. And so she yeah. goes to extreme lengths, like almost becoming a villain. She's chasing him around the ship and she's yeah, like, uh, I think your friend's about to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's wanting to like give him a lobotomy, like do all this crazy stuff. And totally. Rutherford ends up putting a literal barrier. He's like, put up a force field around me. Cause Tendi's going to hurt me. <laughs> and hurt me, yeah. the whole, like the scenario is that it's cause he's going on a date with someone who he didn't used to like. And she's freaking out. Like, what if you don't like me? And I, I think you can read it absolutely as Teddy has a crush on Rutherford and is freaking sure. out because he could, you know, be with someone else. But I also mm. think it just genuinely as a friend, she's worried about losing him. And yeah. it's, but to the point of like extreme obsession that she's just like, can't even focus on anything else. And the same thing when she was trying to have that guy ascend, it was obsession. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I think it's it must be some kind of trigger for her, you know, that, I mean, we t- I know we talked about because maybe they, the fear of not being liked, but I, do yeah. you think that's all it is? Or do you think it's like something just like within her, something else? I think it's definitely, I wonder if these are her first friends. Mm, ouch. I, I know that's kind of a sad ouch. thought because I think that Tendi would be very easy to make friends with. And I think that she is very open and kind and everything, but if she... So she says that she hadn't, she wasn't able to visit like some Orion places before she went to Starfleet, but I assume that she grew up on Orion. And so she's growing up in this really different culture. If she's having to do stuff like that to her cousin, like obviously some, there's probably, it's probably really different back home. And so I'm wondering if she didn't really have friends growing up. And so now that she has people that like know her for her and not for her like Orion um, personality, or like, you know, pseudo personality type thing, I wonder if she is trying to hold on tighter, you know, where like, she is maybe not doing the work that you would have done in like, kindergarten or first grade when you're making your first friends. And this is just total 
conjecture. I have no idea. And I like really think this is sad if it's the truth, but it, that's sort of the vibe that I'm getting from her is that she is trying, trying so desperately to cling on to these people because they're probably the first people that understand her and love her for who she is and not with these extra, even if Mariner has a little extra stereotype, she's still awesome and she's still so kind attendee and immediately they're all very welcoming like this first episode Boimler's her liaison you know and like um they instantly bond and especially her and Rutherford I think it's a really really special relationship they have and I think both of them have a hard time getting other people to understand them especially because Rutherford's a recent cyborg and we have to remember that she almost lost him like recently like this is episode one of season two and so she is very much still in i think like um like the crisis mode crisis mode yeah thank you yeah exactly where she is still thinking he could die at any minute i could lose him again she already technically lost him she lost all the rutherford lost all of his memories of her and like how devastating would that be you know and so i think it comes from this really like desperate place to cling on to her friends and also to like make sure he doesn't die again. And we see this also in the episode where he goes over to um, Billups's mom's ship, the dragon's breath or whatever it's called. Love that. And yeah. And, and then the fake explosion happens and she thinks he's dead again. And he's going to be like, yep. There, he was like at the end of the episode, like, yep, there's probably just going to be times where you think I'm dead, but I'm not. And she's like, ha, 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 great. Ha, ha, you know, like kind of like shivering, like from the, that thought and same literally if like the, my best friend slash love of my life, was like nearly dying a lot I'd be probably as crazy as Teddy yeah well and this is man I really like I think it's an interesting point like talking about how she's really clinging on to these friends and I think also we see this with Mariner a lot that I, I think especially in Lower Decks because they are constantly rotating ships and positions and they're in the academy and then they graduate and then they go to like these other things. And so they're constantly moving around all the time. Yeah. And for Mariner, which, you know, we're going to talk about a lot more, she really hates this. And so she yes. refuses to rank up because she doesn't want change. And I think with Tendi, we see this is the struggle that she's having is when she does have friends, she has to hold them really close because someone could get transferred at any minute and then their time is over. And so that's gotta be such a hard part of being in Starfleet. And I think because, um, you know, mostly we see the, um, bridge officers are stable. They're not moving and they haven't moved in 20 years, you know, Mm -hmm. and they don't plan on it. And so there's not that much risk. And then even if they are transferred, they have that experience of going through this like crazy time when they were yeah. a lower decker. And so, so true. I feel like that's just a lot of emotional that, I mean, that's hard. Like for me, I've moved from state to state to state in the past, mm. oh my God, like 10 years I've lived in like five states and it's hard. And it was amazing being back for my bridal shower because all my friends that I grew up with in Colorado were there and yeah. like it, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm getting rare. emotional thinking about it. Like it's yeah. so rare to have those people all together in one place. Um, and so yeah, I, I totally understand. I think, you know, I because it's a comedy show, they definitely exaggerate um, a lot of Tendi's tendencies. Sure. <laughs> her yeah. her, tenden- her tendencies. Ten- tendencies, you might say. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Absolutely, Ashlyn. That's a really good point and something I didn't think about. I think you're so right. And also this sort of indicates, this is an indicator as well in The Spy Humongous where um, we get Big Body Rutherford, one of my favorite episodes, and we have a moment where... Tendi 
essentially tells them, I signed us up for Anomaly Consolidation Day because I thought it would be fun. And she wants to enjoy times with her friends. And so I think you're absolutely right. This is another indicator of her trying to spend as literal as much time possible with her friends because you're right, you never know when they're going. Boimler was on the Titan for a while. They've already sort of had that shift around. Um, It's kind of like, you know, like military as well. Like you're always moving around. I mean, even similar to like... Uh, sports players you know where you're getting traded constantly and so you never really yes it's your team but then it's a new team and it's new people and you're having to readjust all the time that would be a really hard environment for me absolutely I was just thinking about my friend my best friend Carson she's doing her vet internship at Cornell like shout out Um, and she knows she's only going to be there for a year and so already going into it she's like yeah there's not really like point of not a lot of there's not a big point for me to like make friends like that's not what I'm there for and I'm like oh girl but you need friends you know yeah they're essential even if you only have them for a bit you know and I think that's sort of what Tendi is learning is that like if I'm gonna have friends I'm gonna like milk every second out of that you know for as long as I have them and so she will sign them up for terrible assignments and things like that and I think this is a really special and important episode for all three of them because, and for Boimler, frankly, um, because it teaches them more about, like, Tendi and about just each other, you know, how, uh, I love how Rutherford says at the end that, like, Tendi, I'm sorry, we shouldn't have, uh, we should have been feeding off of your energy and not trying to tamp it down, you know? And I, I really like that because, there, yes, I think sometimes Tendi can be a little bit toxically positive to a point where sometimes I'm like, girl, nothing good is happening right now. Like, let's not try to force it to be good just so, like, we all can, like, be falsely happy, you know? But I think to the opposite, Mariner and Rutherford were really complaining about this and, like, really making the worst of everything. And so that's also not healthy either, and that can be really toxic, especially for someone like Tendi, who is really trying so hard to make the most out of this not fun situation. And so the fact that then Boimler leaves his red shirts to go and make Tendi laugh and everything, it's just like, this is what Lower Decks is about. It's about these core friendships who learn from each other and also like learn from their own mistakes together you know like I think both of them learned a valuable lesson about like how to treat each other and how to like sort of handle each other's moods because it's hard I imagine working in a lower decks on a ship that like you're constantly doing kind of annoying chores you know for people who aren't as grateful as they should be and who don't give you the time of day and so I understand that they can really wear on people but I'm glad that we have attendee to remind them of the good parts you know? absolutely well and I'm glad that attendee has these close friends because I know that the bug like she turns into like a scorpion yeah. thing, and I know her mood is like enhanced by this potion that she's yeah. been turned in like that she ingested or like had she breathed in or whatever mm. um but I she does, she really spirals quickly, you know, where she's like, I, it's like the exact, like hate a the Cerritos. full yeah. 180. Like she hates mm-hmm. the Cerritos. She hates like that they're so negative and she like it. And it's amazing to see like how quickly she spirals down. And so I think it's just a, re- a good reminder too, that like, she's probably working really hard to keep herself positive and happy. And just yeah. in an instant, it's, it, it's all gone. 
Um, but I love that what changes her back is Boimler making her laugh. So yeah. like that's why we all need these supports. You know, we need totally. we need a friend to make us laugh and get about get us out of our dark spaces. Yeah, to slip in their own food and like <laughs> <laughs> I crack yeah. up too. That was hilarious. That was really good. That's some slapstick comedy gold right there. Honestly, there's so much like slapstick stuff with Boimler. Like even in the first episode when Tendi first meets him, there's hot bananas yeah, coming out. Hot bananas. And he's like, ow, oh, ow, iconic. ow. <laughs> He squeezes it and says hello. I just, oh, I love it. So good. Yeah. Also, I'm for now ever going to be saying, whoa, slow to impulse. (laughs) Someone (laughs) says something that's like too over the top. That's what Mariner says to Teddy. And that's just like hilarious. So good. (laughs) Yeah. Should we talk about the um, Orion episode now with yeah with Mariner okay and then then we can move on um Mm -hmm. I yeah I think this is one of the most interesting episodes because they even pointed out like Mariner and Tendi point out that they've never had a girls trip together like they are never paired together in the whole show this is the only episode where they have an adventure together which is such an interesting choice and even I feel like even Boimler and Rutherford have like totally episodes together all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. When Boimler is testing out the, or when Rutherford's testing out his faster transporter, Ru- Boimler's there to do it, and like they have some missions. It's definitely not as common. You're right, and Tendi and Mariner point this out. Like, yeah, we're always paired off with Rutherford and Boimler. Um, and Ashley, if you'll remember, this is something that I complained about while we were doing our Patreon of our first. Uh, season of Lower Decks is I was like why in the heck aren't Tendi and Mariner together at any point they're like literally not having these women interact besides as the four of them you know or as like quick little one-liners and it's not like it's a Brechtel test failure even it's 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 more of a just failure on the writer's part to pair women together and this is unless they're gossiping about men this is always a thing this is very a star trek thing too and something that as i've been saying i've been watching a lot of deep space nine and has been irritating me because early deep space nine is even more sexist you know than late deep space nine and so um there'll be times where literally kira and dax are talking and they're just talking about boys and i'm like seriously you two are like the least boy crazy out of everyone (laughs) on this ship and you're the two talking about boys all the time yeah right I call bullshit. I call falseness on that. That is crazy. So I was like, it's similar that this is a Star Trek unfortunate trope um, and an unfortunate trope in media in general is that like women, oh, they don't really need to interact unless they're talking about guys, you know, or talking about love or romance. And so I really liked that this episode did not include any of that BS. It wasn't about, ooh, Mariner, are you interested in Boimler? Ooh, Tendi, are you interested in Rutherford? You know, like, they're not gossiping about their friends behind their back. They're not doing any of that, like, sort of catty, stereotypical BS that I would expect from Star Trek sometimes, unfortunately. And so it just shows, again, that the the new, the beauty, the beauty of New Trek is that we get a lot more, like, inclusivity or, like, a lot less sexism, you know? But it is surprising that literally this is the first time they're having their own journey well rihanna we already got the episode with the caddy fighting with the girlfriend when boimler went out on the date with the um, exact lady who was like so attractive and mariner was like so surprised like why are you together the whole episode Mm -hmm. was like low-key caddy totally caddy bs yeah 
So what I thought, you know, they, they really leaned into this, the writers yeah. did for this episode, which I really love. And I kind of expected them to have a great time and like yeah. a great adventure, but they actually spend like half the episode or more fighting with each other. Yep. Not about boys, but yeah. <laughs> um, but be- because they don't know very basic things about each other. Like, crazy. Mariner doesn't know Tendi's first name. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I th- I think, honestly, like, that was kind of a joke, too, because she Tendi says her name in the first episode, and then we never hear it again. Yeah, like she doesn't really say Devana, it. Devana. Yeah, yeah, Devana Tendi. We, we, it's never heard again. So it's also kind yeah. of a joke. It's like, oh, LOL, the writers haven't said her first name in a while. Yeah. Um, and then Mariner brings up that she served on D. DS9, which again was mentioned like one Once. tiny time before yeah. this, so another joke. Um, but that's a huge deal, you know. And it, as Mariner says, she talks about it with Boimler all the time. And Tendi mm-hmm. likes this like Klingon acid pump, and yes. she talks about it with Rutherford all the time. And so it is surprising that they don't know these deep facts about each other, but this is the time for it to come out. And this type of adventure is right up Mariner's alley because, oh my gosh, you have to go like to the Orion planet and like be undercover and like, oh my gosh, really crazy. Totally. When I actually do love to, because, um, I think I was, I was briefly scanning and I saw a woman at warp article or it might've been, I think it was women at warp that was talking about like the, Star Trek's um, dicey history with, like, alien prosthetics and, like, making human characters turn into certain species and how that's, like, a form of blackface in a way. Obviously not as bad, but, like, it's still this, like, questionable, like, why are, why is Riker this, like, why is Troy Romulan? What are you doing? Like, this is, this is crazy. And so I really, really like that Mariner is like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Don't take any pictures of me in this, like, green skin. And I was like, I love that. I love that they're bringing this up because, like, it has, Star Trek is, has zero qualms <laughs> with turning anyone into a different species um, to go undercover. And there's just so much that's messed up about that that I'm really glad they brought it up even though they still did it and they're like okay we'll still have mariner go undercover um but yeah i think that this this episode is it's so interesting because a part of me wanted it to be where they just got along and had a successful mission and maybe some shenanigans but i think this type of episode is more important you know like as much as it irritates me that this is their girl's trip is that it all went wrong and tendy's worried about being fired the whole time i would be livid with mariner by the way like I wouldn't, I'm the person who's very much a rules follower, especially when it comes to, like, my boss, you know? So I would, like, lose my mind. I also would be living with Mariner. And I was going to say, too, that this really tests the boundaries of Mariner's, um, like, recklessness. Yeah, um, Because totally. Tendi, like, very similar to you and me, Rihanna, where uh, she is very much a rule follower. And her, the whole time, all throughout Lower Decks, we see her trying to please Dr. Ta'ana, in various ways and so this like this isn't like every interaction that they have because it's a lower deck situation um it's like trying to please your teachers you know yeah Um, any interaction has to be good every single one and so uh tendy's just trying her best and mariner is really i i think like inappropriate with all of this and totally um it, it is funny, and Attendee's trying to go along, you know, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, sure, just a little peek, like, yeah, girl okay, speak. like, that, <laughs> yeah, girl speak, like, that sounds fine, but, like, once it crosses the line, same, I'd be so furious. I think, too, it's Mariner finally learning that, like, 
just because she wants to do these reckless maverick type things doesn't mean that others do and doesn't and, and means that she can inadvertently pull people into her mess when she's being reckless and I think that that is a really important lesson for her to learn because like I think it's fine when she does these you know like as as Freeman will say these half-baked dangerous solutions to save the ship and to help farmers and you know all this stuff where she's doing stuff for a good cause I don't have any qualms with that it's just my my qualms come when she doesn't think about the people around her and the actions that they could like negatively cause you know or that the, the the impact that could be negatively caused by her actions yeah well and I think we're supposed to feel like there's redemption at the end of the episode for Mariner because she decides to crash the shuttle and she tells um Ransom it's my fault there's a bee there's yeah. a bee in the shuttle <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah Still the funniest excuse. I'm like, you could just say that you lost controls or something, but... Yeah, well, I think, I kind of wish it had been a little more satisfying and he told her the truth. Like, not not that she had to crash the shuttle, but, like, if it was broken, Mariner should have gone to Dr. Ta'ana and say, I opened. I broke it. I broke it. It's my fault. Punish me. Don't punish Tendi, because she was doing everything right. Yeah. Um, And... Mariner doesn't own up to that, and nope, that she just makes another lie. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that you know she still has room to grow for. Totally. <laughs> that totally in that case, absolutely. Yeah, and I think like it. Yeah, this is just such a great growth episode for them. But it, I do have a hard time watching it. Like I definitely am more into the Tom Paris plate plot point with Boimler, but I still think that like this episode it's really essential for both characters like I feel like they're they're even a little bit closer I know that this is episodic but Lower Decks does build on itself you know and I think that um this being the third episode in season two I think um then it allows for you can see by the end of season two Tender Tendy and Mariner (laughs) that's their shipping name is Tender (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mendy. <laughs> no, I ship Jennifer and Mariner more. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Jariner. Jariner, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that that, like, it, it, it leaves room for them to then you see them getting closer the rest of these episodes. Still, it's more pairing off with the boys again, but it's still really nice to see this episode and... I'm happy it exists, for sure. I I hope that we get more adventures with them together, or even yeah. just ship adventures, you know, where same. they are assigned to the same duty. I don't know. I Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see it, because I would, I yeah, I just hope they get to connect even more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so well, let's do it. Okay, so Ta'ana is my, it's hard to say my favorite character, but I just, like, I love Ta'ana <laughs> so much, because she's, yeah. like... The combination of the two things I love most in this world, which is cats and Dr. McCoy. <laughs> I mean, you're literally not wrong. Like, it's it's my dream character, is, is Tana. Essentially. She, she, her first introduction in the pilot is amazing, because, like, Tendi goes to medical, or goes to sick bay, and is like, hello, I'm reporting! Um, and... <laughs> And she's like, I'm report. I'm supposed to report to Nurse someone, Westlake. Yeah, yeah. Nurse Nurse Westlake. And um, she's like, I can't help with any of this. I don't know what's going on. And Taana's like, That's Nurse Westlake. Like, hot, like, <laughs> like spitting goo. <laughs> yeah, like hold this heart. And she's like yeah. pumping a heart. And, like, <laughs> like oh, Taana does not like. She's extremely blunt. 
she does not give an F about your feelings or about like, yeah, I just, oh God, I love her so much. And she has a great relationship with Shax that like they're extremely sexual. (laughs) Oh my God. I honestly love it because like you see it grow throughout the series. Like first you have that line where um, Tan is just like, Mm, I wonder what the captain would say about like starting a relationship with someone on the bridge yeah. Page. She asked Mariner this after we find out that after the whole crew knows that Mariner is related to the Captain Freeman. Yeah, she yeah. straight up asked that, and I noticed that too. It was like <laughs> this is the start. It's <laughs> beginning, and then in um, and then in the one with the simulator where they're switching places. Um, where they're sleeping in the lower decks and Donna just cuddles up with shags. It's like the cutest. Like, I think honestly, I love the idea. Cause like we had, our grandpa was like very, very tall and our grandma is like very short. And so it was always just like the cutest thing seeing them together because they're literally like, like opposite heights of each other. Yeah. And so I kind of love that about, <laughs> uh, about Tana and Shax, you know, they're he's like this big man and she's this tiny cat lady. And like, they're, <laughs> they're just like, so in love. It's really cute. It's amazing. <laughs> well, and I feel like it really kicks off in the naked now. Um, oh, like <laughs> it's naked time. Yeah. We're, and I think that's the one where Boimler's like going through all the different scenarios or they all have to, that's, like, that's the same one, the simulation one. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. In the simulation one. And so, oh my, Oh my gosh yeah I love it well and I just love too that I, I I just I don't know I just love her like there's no it's not like there's no depth to her but everything is what you see is what you get you know yeah. like she's a really good doctor totally. like she's like yeah she gets the job done I love again in the in the pilot where um Boilers comes back and he's like covered in goo to Anna is like I'm going to scan this freaking goo. Like, that's yeah. that's so weird. Yeah, like, I would that never think about that. That is the most doctor that. thing. Yeah, like, strange alien goo. Let's see. Like, you never know. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's really, like, she thinks quick on her feet, on her paws, I should say. Um, I also love, too, that, like, this is so freaking similar to McCoy. Um, and to Kirk, I was thinking as well, but when Tendi is given the assignment to get the physicals from the holdout. Yes! I love this part. Because yes. it, it really reminds me of that scene where I think it's Spock who comes up to Kirk and is like, there is one person left who has not gotten their physical. And Kirk's like, oh, well, that's no excuse. Like, if they're busy, like, track them down. They need a physical. And then, of course, it's Kirk who needs it. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, F. Um, similar to Anna, like... I love that at the beginning, you know, Tendi's like, but why? Why wouldn't anybody get their physical? It's not invasive. It's just a scan. And Todd goes, I don't know. It's something about being reduced to a set of numbers. Freaks people out. (laughs) And I'm thinking about her. Like, she does not want to be reduced to a set of numbers. Well, and then, like, literally, it's a cat fight. Like, she's, like, (laughs) running around the ship. And it, oh, my God. I was having flashbacks to my own cat. Like, Arthur will, like, go in the tiniest little areas. And I'm like, come back. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. God, scratchy he's, he's been like, destroying the bottom of our couch like he'll climb oh up god. into the bottom of the couch and he's like no. oh my god it's a nightmare and every time we hear <laughs> oh him we're here like kick, kick, kick. we're like oh my god arthur's no. under the couch like get him out <laughs> um and so it was reminding me of that too went to anna's like climbing through the like smallest the parts Jeffrey of the ship yeah, yeah exactly and then at the end tendy finally gets the scan and then to with Anna, a broken arm, yeah, mind with you. a broken arm, like extremely amazing. Yeah. Um, and then so she gets the scan, and then to Anna's like, "Huh, that wasn't so bad. I wonder why I made such a big fuss about that." <laughs> <laughs> This is the part that just gets me. It's not like it's this whole, like, then she freaks out about being reduced to a set of numbers. She's like, oh, yeah, 
okay, cool. Yeah. Um, well, uh, oh, sorry. I do love, too, when they're chasing each other and Tendi, she, she was like, ow, my arm. And first, Tawana's like, yeah, right. haha, ha, kid. You can't get And then she sees the boat sticking out. She's like, oh, God, kid, I'm sorry. I went too far. I love that. Like, immediately when she sees that Tendi's actually hurt, she drops all of that and is like, oh, God, kid. You know, so I just, I love that about her. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is there's a very clear line. And it's like that with McCoy, too. Like, yeah, you know, you can be funny and aloof. For a while, but when things really matter, like, you know, there it is. It's time. <laughs> time to focus. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like, she's also very serious when it comes to her job, you know, like, I think sometimes, yeah, she'll still snark around and joke, but like, she is in the thick of it, you know, like dealing with crazy viruses. And I mean, I just think about all that medical has to put up with, like, even watching these new episodes of Strange New Worlds, I'm like, oh my F, like the CMOs have so much to deal with. And like, I would be grumpy too, <laughs> like frankly, if there were so many people on the ship and like half of them were getting viruses all the time, you know? Exactly. Oh, well, one more thing. In oh, yeah. Strange Energies, I think I love, I love the fact, and the only reason we really put Tana in this episode was really just for the boulder moment. Because yes. I love that Tana gets a full <laughs> forklift with a gigantic boulder because she's like, Mm, happened for Gary Mitchell, so <laughs> well, that, okay. it might work. I just love it, because they set it up at the beginning of the episode, where um, <laughs> when Ransom is, like, becoming this godlike person, and then they yeah. talk about Gary Mitchell, and um, Mariner's like, oh my god, how do they stop him? And Tana's like, well, they put a boulder on him. And then, yeah, and then the, we she don't... She does end up crushing it with one. We don't see Tana for the whole episode. <laughs> because we know she's, like, getting a fork getting a boulder. Getting a boulder. <laughs> I just am like, well, did they be one down? Where did she find this boulder i just everything about it is phenomenal and i love that like she's like okay none of y'all are thinking of anything i'm gonna go get a boulder <laughs> like she's the doctor you. you know she's not like whipping up like something <laughs> boulder she's like it's a boulder head Work, empty worked yeah. last time <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> Oh um, well, so moving on to like female friendships, we talked a little bit about, or we are, we already talked about, we'll always have Tom Ferris cause that's with the girl, girl's trip, girl's peak. Girl's trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then of course I should, I also forgot, you know, just to wrap up that episode and to Anna at the end of the episode, when Tahana, when Tahana does see the, um, like she opens up the box and sees the cat <laughs> scratching sexual post or whatever, yeah. um, she just like throws it out. She dumps she, it out. And she yeah. just wanted like this really nice crate. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most cat thing I've ever heard. Of course it was just the box that she wanted. But I'm just like mad. Like if I was Tendi, I'd be pissed because you could replicate a crate like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a family heirloom, so all of her cat, uh, all of her Catalan ancestors hung out in that box. So that's I imagine, true. You know. That's true. Well, and I also, I love that when she gets into the box at the end of the episode, she's like purring and like having yeah, a great time. Her eyes get all big. Yeah, yeah. She goes crack mode, which is what I call like when my kitten, he's not a kitten anymore, but when he, oh, well, he still yeah. is crack mode, you know, where cats are just like, they get the zoomies crazy and they're like, mm-hmm. Jumping Their around pupils the house. dilate. Yeah. yeah. With the family heirloom, it makes sense. Because even my cats, like, one will sit in a box. And then once they'll leave the box, the next, next one will sit in the box. I think because they, like, want to either make it their own scent or to be around the scent of their siblings or whatever. So, like, objects are really important to cats, you know. And I think that, like, 
especially boxes are very essential <laughs> so i'm sure it makes so much sense that they have like a heirloom box that's passed oh, on totally. from cat to cat well and i just love how accepting the rest of the medical team is because when Ta'ana's just going yeah. at it like in her room in sick bay it, there's glass like you can see what she's yeah. doing any other doctors and nurses are just like yeah they, you they know look around they're like okay it's yeah. her time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sounds good <laughs> Oh, um, so then the so the second episode of female friendships we talked about was Cupid's errant arrow. Yes, Ashlyn, this is the one you were discussing earlier that they do get a little catty. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, we're not Tawana this time, but uh, yeah, I think that this one it's sort of what I really like about it and what uh, happens with Lower Decks a lot is that I assume I know how it's going to end and then it completely throws me for a loop and changes my expectations. And so I remember going into this episode being like, come on guys, you're not really going to have Mariner get all jealous of this new, uh, woman that Boimler's seeing and then have her be all like, you know, trying to save his life slash get them to stop dating this whole episode and have them fight each other over a man. I just was like so annoyed. I'm like, you're, you're better than this. And then turns out they were, you know, like it, it was Boimler who was the parasite. It was like they bonded over how dumb he is. Like I thought that is the most hilarious thing is like women bonding over stupid men. <laughs> I was like, that's like more common than you think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree, Rihanna. And I'm glad that they were able to come to an understanding. I think my, so I didn't feel like, like you, when you said you were annoyed. I mean, I'm a mm-hmm. little annoyed because yeah, we're having like a typical, like, you know, fighting over a guy, mm-hmm. but uh, I love when characters get in relationships and I'm, I, I used to really ship Mariner and Boimler Mm-hmm. Um, before I found out that Mariner was like Pan and now I'm like, I, I ship Mariner and everyone now. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. But I, I, when I first watched this, I really shipped them. And so I was excited because so often mm-hmm. it's such a classic trope that characters don't get together until one of them is in a relationship and then the other one realizes they have feelings. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so I was waiting for these, like for the snowball to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to go out. Like the, yeah. here we go. But no, like that's that's not how it is. Mariner might have feelings for Boimler, but it's not she's not acting on them and she could, you know. Totally. Um and I yeah, I totally agree with you. I love the ending. I also love that this is the episode where we get the meme of Mariner Yes. Um, like putting the strings on the wall and she like yes. it's a crime investigator trying to figure out what's going on. This is another obsessive um like another character who's obsessing. Yes. And uh yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's true. Our characters do have some obsessive tendencies. We see it in Boimler and Rutherford as well. Oh, all of them. I think all I'm, of them. I, I'm thinking it's a Starfleet thing. You know, it's like you got to rank yeah. up. You got to do your best. Like, well, and I feel like there are some just fields in which people get obsessed with, or get, or some like parts of life. You know, I think we all have something that, like, if pushed, we would be as crazy as Tendi trying to fix boy or trying to fix Matt Rutherford or as crazy as Mariner trying to figure out if Barb's a parasite you know like we all have something that sort of flicks that switch you know for me it's Star Trek actually I get really obsessive and crazy over Star Trek that's why we're here doing this I was gonna say like I know what mine is (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's just that's so interesting that comparison but I also really love too that Barb was also on to Mariner and totally thought she was the parasite the whole time because like understandably they're she's following them everywhere she's acting she's like cutting barb's hair like crazy stuff 
<laughs> like, dang, this is next level. And usually it's funny because Mariner, yes, she has sort of like, you know, harebrained on the fly solutions to things, but she usually doesn't lose her cool like this. Like, that's why I thought this episode so interesting. And I think a lot of it has to do, yes, with her, like, maybe a sort of latent attraction to Boimler, but also, I think, has to do with her past experiences. So much of Mariner is informed by her previous ships, and so much of her is informed by just the things that she's been through. She's been trapped in a sentient cave. They know things, you know? Like, she's literally, like, been through so much, and we have this flashback of her talking to, um her friends, I think, on the Quito, and one of them turned into, like, this crazy monster that ate his girlfriend, and so it's just, like, no wonder, you know, once I saw that scene, I was like, okay, this explains a lot of Mariner's craziness, because she literally doesn't want to see one of her friends get eaten again, you know, and this is just such a Starfleet thing, like, I would imagine Wesley Crusher, like, or say if, if Wesley had more friends. Sorry, Wesley R.I.P. Oh, but like, <laughs> sorry, wow. if he had more people on the ship his age who were like respectful and nice to him, so then they like, would probably also be like, Are, is your friend going to turn into like a crazy, like, you know, the dolphin episode where like she's a monster, t- not a monster, but she's like a creature type thing. I'm sure all of his friends would be like, oh, I don't know. I'm sus of anyone you're dating, you know, kind of vibe. Makes me so sad. I was gonna make reference yeah. to the game, but I didn't have the heart. <laughs> oh, glad you didn't. Glad we dodged that bullet. <laughs> I was exactly. like, "What clever thing can I say?" It's not worth yeah. bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think it, it it really shows that like Starfleet things can kind of turn you crazy a little. Like not in a bat. Well, not it can turn you obsessive. You know, like. I mean, Kirk got obsessed with that cloud. <laughs> so oh my god, we see it all the time. I just watched that one the other night, like completely randomly, and uh-huh. it's better than I remember. Like, really? I low key really like that. Wow. Well, I so I know this is not feminism, but my hypothesis about the obsession, just because it informs like what we know about our female characters yeah. and our male characters, yeah. I think that Starfleet is an operation that you can really figure out anything. You know, yes. like the smallest molecule you know about you know like there it because it's so much science all the time and so it's this ship full of scientists and nerdy scientists and so when there's a problem that they can't solve it for a lot of people because they're kind of built the same way it's disturbing it's like why can't i figure out why my instincts are telling me that this is wrong something like what's going on like i my instincts are instincts you know (laughs) you gotta trust them and also i'm a scientist so i should be able to get to the bottom of this and so totally i think it's wonderful that it turns out that boimler had a parasite on him like oh my it's just it's um like brilliant you know so Uh, brilliant i love it thank you for bringing that up too ashlyn you're so right like it starfleet gives them the means to answer all these questions that have been burning for years or for days or however long and so um they really just feed off of it you're so right and i think um yeah, like I said, I'm really glad that Barb is acting the same way and that they have sort of this fight and then they're both like, okay, wait, let's just scan each other. We're both not parasites. We're both normal humans. And then, of course, that's when they find Boimler's parasite. But I just think that is so hilarious. Like, you ladies literally could have done this from the beginning. Yeah. We did not need all of this haircutting, 
crazy up late at night stressing if Boimler's gonna get eaten or salt sucked or <laughs> whatever you know so I think that like it just shows that like Mariner is also fiercely independent and does not want to just straight up ask people for stuff she wants to go do her maverick way of doing things um and because she's learned to rely only on herself. I mean, this is a huge Mariner character trait that we see throughout the series is that like she does push people away and she does want um, to rely only on herself. And I can relate to that. I, I am also a very independent person and I get in my own way sometimes because of that, because I don't reach out and ask for help when like my I could have spent like 10 minutes on a thing that took me a whole day, you know, because because I'd pull a Mariner and think, oh, I have to do this all on my own. Oh my gosh. Or like I've fallen into a trap before where something that will literally take me 10 minutes, I'll put it off for months. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like nope, <laughs> too, too anxious to do that today. <laughs> Maybe oh in God. a couple weeks I'll get to it. That's a big mood. <laughs> yeah. I also, I just last thing um, about Mariner, I think this episode really shows the like confidence that she has in her own instincts because yeah. it's it's she's kind of starting a conspiracy theory you know yeah about what's going on with barb and she's mentioning all of these things in episodes that have happened like references that are real and totally. so the more she's saying i'm like oh my god this it's is true be. yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's gotta be and yeah. mariner is so influential that and she's the main character like I can't help but believe everything that she says and so like we were saying before it's great that she's flawed because we get to experience like just the whole package with Mariner totally oh my gosh well and the fact that she does a full spacewalk she launches herself into space to go onto that orbital platform to get to Voimler is crazy crazy brave crazy stupid <laughs> all the above you know I mean she could have literally died trying to save Boimler from his own parasite <laughs> um but that's what she is she's a fierce friend and she is fiercely protective of the people that she actually lets into her life absolutely um well I think we'll ride this wave into our sections talking about like captains and officers yes. like female captain and officers um I let's see so Much Ado About Boimler is a really great episode, and um, I also just want to say that from here to the end, like, Mariner is going to have to be a prominent part of the discussion. Totally. And, you know, obviously we're going to talk about her, like, exclusively, but I feel like we we can't avoid we already are just, like, diving yeah. deeply into Mariner, so I'm just totally. going to, like, open that yeah. floodgates, like, let's just go ham. Love it. Um, I think her relationship with Captain Ramsay is really interesting, and so the whole plot of this is that... Um, oh, it's, um, I just, I cry with, with joy because the, the, the main officers, the Captain Freeman and Jackson and everybody are in there. I can't even, I can't, I can't even like get through it. I love it so much. They're, They're sneaking around close. They're in their like black ops from outfits. chain of command. Yeah, from chain of command where... <laughs> Picard and Worf and Crusher in those amazing outfits. Like, it, like the black co hood, like, covers their foreheads. And, <laughs> oh, it's Please so Please go funny. look it up right now if you don't know what we're talking about. It's the best. Well, and, like, in the 80s, like, in Chain of Command, I never questioned it. It was, like, nice outfits, guys. Like, yeah. those are like, very sneaky. And Stealth. But so, yeah. there's just something so brilliant about having it in Lower Decks because like, Captain Freeman is so smug about yeah. it. She's like, we're on our secret. And she, they look like idiots, you and know? And they're literally, like, they might plant seeds 
yeah, like what's happening with this mission? It's so vague and amazing. Yeah. And then of course, like everyone thinks, oh, they're going to have Captain Jellico or some like a really yeah. annoying captain is going to shake it up and mm-hmm. it's going to be another like annoying episode. But no, it's Mariner's friend from the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I already said it, Captain Ramsey. And I guess they were like two peas, you know, like totally. well, we never see it, but it sounds like Ramsey started being really like carefree and who cares. And Mariner was really go try hard, be good, be badass, like get shit, get it, get uh, really good, get stuff done. And, uh, but now they've completely flipped and it's really, I, I don't know, Rihanna, ask me, I, tell me this. <laughs> do, do, ask me this. Um, <laughs> do you think that Mariner is actually embarrassed that she's an ensign when she sees Ramsey and all of her friends are like, you know, captain and like lieutenants and lieutenant commanders like do you think because we find out at the end of the episode that mariner because she acts terribly as ramsey's first officer she's forgetting stuff her boots are wrong um and but then when it's actually time for a crisis mariner steps up and is amazing and like is a perfect first officer so do you but she's obviously trying not to be headhunted but do you think like deep in her heart that when she sees that ramsey's a captain and she's an ensign she like feels shame yes I, I think there's no doubt about that. Mm. I think you're right on the nose. It's hard with Mariner because I can't imagine her ever feeling shame ever. Like, she is one of those people who is very strong-willed, very confident of herself, very... This is the thing, though, that tells me that she might feel shame or be embarrassed about her being an instant still is because she, like talks about it too much you know like for it to be something that is a point of pride over a point of maybe like mm, concern or shame or whatever word we're going to use because even when Ramsey's not there and we're looking at other episodes Mariner's constantly talking about how much she hates uh upper level you know commanders and captains and how much she hates the idea of ranking up and wants to be in lower decks forever and I think absolutely she does like there is a huge part of her that wants to not be in the Starfleet like entrenched in Starfleet bureaucracy where if you stay at ensign level then you can get away with a lot of stuff and that's sort of her sweet spot and so I think a part of her is really happy to be in this position but I think when she's met with people that she literally they're the same age practically they're like we're in the academy together I think it brings up those maybe like self-doubt or just that embarrassment of oh wow she really moved up and that used to be my dream yeah there's there's definitely something really hard about seeing I mean people talk about this all the time like if you have a sibling who's younger than you who gets married first that's like a huge thing for women particularly and not all women you know obviously there's some people who don't give a f and I wouldn't give an F, you know, but, like, I understand that that can be, like, oh, my gosh, they got there before me, or they did this certain milestone before I did, you know, and I think that that would be really jarring, and I think it would make you sort of question a lot about yourself and your path. I would only be really stressed if Gabby got married before you because she's 10, Rihanna. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, like, what am I doing? I'd be, like... <laughs> Well, I'm like, she's a child bride. Like, this is, you know, there's some other problems coming into play, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I don't have to worry about that, probably. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really, I really love your answer. I agree. And I, I feel like Mariner is forced to confront her choices that she's made over the years. 
and and choose to either recommit to continue being an ensign or letting that like embarrassment make her keep pushing on to become a lieutenant and start ranking up but obviously that drive is not there you know like she despite feeling uncomfortable about their like different positions she's not gonna change her life because of this um it, it really reminded me actually of going through school because I went to uh like I'm, I'm a music major opera performance and in undergrad it was way more master students than undergrad and in mm. my studio so each I had a voice teacher they had a bunch of students I was the only I was one of two undergrads wow. that my voice teacher had and the rest were master students and I felt extreme pressure because I was singing like the most basic songs mm. you know I'm like down by the Sally Gardens and like cute little <laughs> songs like as yeah. a freshman and then these mm-hmm. master students are coming in with like 10 minute arias that are yeah. like in French and extremely technical and very hard to master and I like I was so annoyed that I wasn't doing like more challenging mm-hmm. rep and so I was really competing with myself like obviously yeah. I can't compete with a master student who's like four, no. five, six, seven years older than me like literally because the way the voice matures like you can't do that and also I was 18 you know um but it exactly. was it, and I made a lot of um like goals for myself that at the time were like extremely unrealistic you know and I would judge master students who came in and said that they had never done like xyz in their career mm-hmm. and now that I you know I've been through masters I'm like post school like chilling way yeah. more calm down about that I think that if 18 year old Ashlyn could see me now she might be kind of pissed you know like oh my god you're not doing this blah 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 with your career because um, Mm. people change you know and it's okay to have your goals change because you have more information as you move on and you think huh maybe I don't want to go this exact path that I've been like planning this whole time because I wasn't informed about like everything that involves Um, and it's it's okay to change and have your goals shift a little bit Um, and so I think I I think I would ha- be in a similar situation like if I saw one of my friends who is in like who's regularly performing with like certain opera houses and stuff like yeah. for a second I'd be like oh oh lord oh, <laughs> yeah what am I doing with my life oh, type question yeah, yeah exactly but you know it it forces me to re like just just come back and say hmm okay am I where I need to be? Do I need to push myself more? Or am I happy? You know, which are good questions to ask. Like it's, it's good to not get like, stay stuck if you feel stuck to keep moving forward. But moving forward doesn't have to be being promoted, you know? Thank you, Ashlyn. That is, thank you for your perspective. I think that's really beautiful. And like exactly what Mariner is going through, you know, and it's really hard to see people at like, different stages in their lives than you are when you're the same age because you immediately start making those comparisons and so I think that is why Mariner acts so poorly and like she's like well you know what I'm just gonna completely like blow this first officer position um so that I don't have to encounter those feelings of inadequacy you know and and then she like you know they have that talk I'm really glad they do they're Ramsey's finally like what the what the heck is going on here? Ramsey sees right through her at one point. Yeah. She's like, oh my god, you've been doing this the whole time. Literally, like seriously, yeah. And so I'm really glad that they do get to talk this out and that 
she's like, I promise I won't try to promote you or recruit you if you just, like, do your job well. And they're like, boom, there you go. Once again, Mariner, things would be solved if you communicated with the women around you instead of trying to compete with them. So definitely something I think that she learned from her mom is to always compete with women. Um, and that's what she always does with her mom. And so I think it's this we'll sort of... Compete with everyone. Like, we'll talk yeah. about Freeman later, but Freeman, like, Captain Freeman is extremely competitive. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yes. with everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and so, and say, yeah, like, what Mariner doesn't compete with Boimler in the same way as that Boimler competes with her, but it's still a type of competition, and it's still a type of comparison that Mariner should just let go of that. And I do want to say, I know that, like we said, the floodgates for Mariner are open, um, but something I did really make a comparison with is... Tilly from obviously from Discovery uh I'm talking about season four here all is possible where so spoilers <laughs> but uh where she does end up leaving to go and teach at the academy and she leaves active you know Discovery service um and I think and she said that I was only I only joined Starfleet because of my mom and that all my whole life had been dictated by my mom and I just want us to keep that in mind when we're looking at Mariner because I think they have a really similar story and I think that Mariner is going to start realizing some Tilly stuff in well, these next few seasons. And her dad is an admiral like she like Boimler says she's Starfleet royalty <laughs> and that is like the last thing she wants and so I just I'm like keeping just like keep that in mind you know when you're thinking about Mariner because I really think she's going to follow a similar Tilly path where maybe Starfleet won't be I think she loves Starfleet for sure, but I don't know if it's the right type of life for her, you know, or at least the type that she's living right now. I think that it's working, especially, you know, like after the whole stuff with her mom came out and they were able to find a semi-solution for a while. That stuff works, but it's just not long-term. It doesn't seem like Mariner's long-term happy. It seems like she's short-term happy, you know, with her friends and stuff. But once Rutherford leaves, she was, a, or I mean, sorry, once Boingler left, she was a mess, you know, and so I think it's just, like, don't do things because your parents want you to do them. And this is something that Mariner's going to keep learning. And and maybe, sh like, I think for her mental health and for both their mental health, they should not be on the same ship together. But that's just me. That's for later on in this episode. But, um, yeah, anyway, I just, I could not stop thinking about this comparison to Tilly. That's such a great point, Rihanna. Yeah, I mean, that's why Wesley left, too, you know. Same yeah. exact perspective. Um, mm -hmm. The that's Traveler so came Jake. to... The Cavalier well. came to Tilly and said, "Do you wanna, <laughs> do you wanna travel?" And she said, "I yes. mean, it's the same. It's the same storyline as Jake. Um, yeah. Just he didn't end up joining Starfleet at all. But like he had to like literally go to Cisco and be like, i 'I'm worried you're gonna be mad at me for not wanting to join Starfleet.' And of course, mm -hmm. Cisco is first is like, "Huh? Are you sure?" And then he's like, "Yeah, I want to be a writer." And he's like, "Okay, cool. You know, like if that's your path, that's your path." And I just, like, love that. You know, I love that we have these these uh, younger people who are not following the Starfleet path. That's so cool to me. I agree. I agree. So we're talking about Captain Dayton from No Small Parts, which is, of course, the finale of season one. Um, and I'm sad to say that she dies in the first five minutes of this episode. And so this is the reason I actually wanted to shout her out and to talk about her briefly because this is, like, a seriously intense death and something that, like, we do not see in Lower Decks otherwise. Like, I remember watching this finale for the first time and being legitimately floored that, like, their ship got pulled apart and they all died. Mm -hmm. Like, that is not Lower deck standard. This is not, like, a funny opening. Um, it's very serious. And so I just want to, like, shout her out because she, she gets a lot of flack. Like, she used to be on the Rubidoux, so she was... Um, 
she was pretty cocky. I think she was, like, briefly mentioned in a couple episodes where, like, everyone's sort of like, oh, Captain Dayton is, like, doing her thing. Like, roll your eyes, kind of, <laughs> you know, and um, she's very into herself and all this stuff. And so I think it's really interesting that then we get to see her starting out with this new ship and, like, doesn't even want to take the little uh, plastic off of the weapons console and all this stuff. She's like, I've got to keep it as new as possible for as long as possible. They all have their shoes off. (laughs) (laughs) I just have, like, cracky up because, like, in Lower Decks, we do see a lot of micromanaging captains, including Captain Freeman, and so it's really funny to see them all with, like, socked feet just, like... (laughs) walking around the bridge um uh, i would but, do that too i'd be like leave your shoes in the turbo lift <laughs> <laughs> there's just like a pile of like, shoes going up and down <laughs> oh my gosh there's probably Could a shoe imagine, rack. Like, dwarf. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you imagine card being like shoes mr wolf he's like sorry captain <laughs> he has his giant like, like boots. klingon boots yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so I just, I, I do want to shout her out because, like, she died because of the pack leads and because pe- Starfleet was not taking them seriously and didn't even know about this threat and didn't even know that it was the Klingons who were working with them. Anyway, crazy conspiracy that lasts two seasons, which is insane. Yes. Um, And, like, just shout out to Lower Decks for that. But also, yeah, shout out to Dayton. She was a little strict, but I'm sorry that she... Did, that she had to, like, die for the episode stakes. That sucks. She did not deserve to die that way. No, not at all. Thank you for your eulogy, Rihanna. And I will, yeah. every time I take my <laughs> shoes off, I will think about Captain Dayton. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so, Ashland, oh. let's talk about the legend, oh my the woman of the hour. Yes. Not really, but she is one of the women of the hour, is, of course, Sonia Gomez, who is now a full-fledged captain. She has come from... The next generation, an instant who spilled hot chocolate on Picard, is now a captain. Oh, just fantastic. Like, this is the arc I'm looking for. Yes. (laughs) It's it's just amazing. I just love it. Because when I first saw her, I was like, oh, nice female captain. I was like, it's Sonia Gomez. Yeah. (laughs) Right Right as she said her name, I, like, passed out a little. It was insanely cool how they brought someone back who had a really rough start and who like did probably the most embarrassing thing you could ever do in front of a captain and she even says that when like a little incident trips in front of her she's like don't worry I've done way more embarrassing things in front of way more intimidating captains (laughs) yeah well she I think that's why I love her so much because she like lets her experience as a lower decker really it like she doesn't forget it you know she doesn't forget what she went through and so she brings that humility all the way up to the captain's chair and she's just so cool i like mm, i would die to serve under her (laughs) oh my god same because she is literally dealing with a life or death situation she's like oh my goodness our first contact could be first collision with this planet she is literally facing a situation where not only her crew could die but like the entire planet that they're trying to make first contact with because of this horrible situation and so, you know, they're all, like, staring into the void, essentially. And then she goes, well, that's enough existential dread for now. Let's get to work. And I just yes. love that. That is, like, excellent, excellent captain scene where you're like, this is our situation. It's very grim. We could all die and this whole planet could die. But let's get to work and make sure this doesn't happen. This is so Pike to me. Like, in yes. like, Strange New Worlds, it's very similar. And I think that's such a quality of a good captain, like you just said, Rihanna. You know, like, don't. You have to make them believe in miracles. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I just love, like, let's look into the void and then let's get to work. That is my energy. So, 
Um, I just, I'm, I love Sonia Gomez. And also the fact that, like, I think they had, like, 12 hours or something, but mm-hmm. they'd also been up for a long time. And so, of course, Captain Gomez is, like, working all of those hours. And I think it's his, her first officer or someone is, like, you should get some rest. Like... There's seven hours, you need a couple, like, you need at least an hour to, like, recharge or whatever. And she's like, well, in seven hours, either way, I'll rest. And he's like, wait, in seven hours, we'll crush, oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) You know what, I'm like, fair enough. If you're, like, about to die in seven hours, then, like, I would not rest. I would stay up with my crew trying to find any solution. Absolutely. And I love that, too, because she's, like, in the trenches with them, you know, like, doing everything she can. And it never made me feel either, like, because, oh, like, she's, you know, I was a little bit sad that, like, she didn't get to show a lot of her prowess because literally her ship was, like, dead in the water and floating and stuff. Um, but I never felt like she was incompetent, you know? I, I always felt like this was something they couldn't control, and now they're just out here doing the best they can to fix it. Yeah, totally agree. I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only because every single member worked together and, like, that was, it's one of the most amazing episodes, truly. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, can we talk about one of my favorite Lower Decks characters who we only get to see for a little bit, but I'm, like, obsessed with her? Peanut Hamper? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Guess what? That coward's not even in our list. <gasps> Whoa! <Burn>. Whoa! <laughs> I remember being at the, um, at Mission Chicago at the Lower Decks panel. And they showed us an image, which I think now is everyone's seen it. Um, they're like, here's an image from season three. And we're like, wow, we're like screaming. And then it's Peanut Hamper. And the entire <laughs> audience goes, oh. <laughs> we're like, okay, we're happy to see an image for season three, but it had to be Peanut Hamper. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. No, I'm talking, of course, not of course. You probably are like, who? I'm talking about Talyn. And she is a Lower Decks Vulcan science officer in the episode Wage Douche or whatever, however you say it. Um, holy F. I actually, um, heard Jesse Gender on Strange New Pod a couple weeks ago talking about just, like, successful episodes of, of Star Trek and stuff and how she said that Wage Douge is, like, the most successful episode of Star Trek. She says it might be the greatest one of all time. And I'm, wow. like, not even mad about this wow. assessment. Because, like, the more I watch it, the more I just think how brilliant it is to bring on different Lower Decks perspectives from different ships it's so genius and something that, like, how did anyone think of this? This is so smart. And the fact that, like, the entirety of the plot then comes to a head that they all actually mesh together and, like, we're all intricate. It all matters. Yeah. 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 So. Well, I think anyway. also I just love the perspective of having another, like, female Vulcan because, like, yes. throughout this whole feminism series, we've talked so much that, like, female Vulcans are extremely, like underrepresented number one and then also when they are represented they're sexualized like to pull or they're or they're savage or they're savage and that's like that's it (laughs) um i know that captain ramsey had a like female vulcan on her team too yes that was cool Yeah. yeah but yeah i just i think it's so cool to include her in this episode yes especially because she is not like your other vulcans (laughs) just like tendy Mm -hmm. we have another person sort of um changing the mold and this is not a like oh she's half human so like she acts this way because you know no it's not at all like that it's 
Talyn is acting on instincts and feelings, and of course in Vulcan culture that's like frowned upon. You want to be using logic and science to come up with solutions, but she she has been working on a program that will strengthen their long-range sensors, sensors, and <laughs> will help them to see, you know, like further systems and everything, and only because her uh, program is implemented do they find the Cerritos in time to be saved from the Packlid ship that the Klingons are assisting? And so it's really cool because this Vulcan, Talyn, she is really stepping out on a limb here, on a Talim. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Ashlyn had to look away from me for a second. She like couldn't even look at me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so she essentially acts human, quote unquote for Vulcan standards Mm -hmm. and um she you know during meditation she's working she's so cute like I just love how driven she is again we're talking about someone who's a little bit obsessive because of their science and because of their field and we see Spock get hung up on projects I was gonna say like she's very Spock like to me I know I know Spock's half human and like what you were Mm -hmm. just saying but she really gives me Spock vibes and I think that's why I love her so much because it is like a female Spock which is the dream (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I'm almost fainting. Thought of that. <laughs> I, she would be my uh, maid of honor. No offense, Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, happy meal spot. Talyn, come here. <laughs> Rihanna, you can give a speech, but Talyn's here for the. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I, um, I got too excited. I should have it. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is brilliant because we also see her other peers and her either lower deck members or other crew members really, really, what's the word? Like degrade her sort of mm-hmm. or um, discourage her from doing a lot of this stuff. And it's just so funny to me because like she makes a lot of good points when they're saying like, to Lynn, you're being illogical, to Lynn this, to Lynn that. She says, um, Logic is the beginning of wisdom, not the end. Yes. And, like, we have to keep applying this. And I'm like, thank you. This is, like, Ciroc wisdom. Like, the, I think that so many Vulcans get caught up in the minutia of logic that they forget that logic is expanding and, and can it help expand your knowledge of the universe instead of limiting it. And I think so many Vulcans use it to limit themselves instead. And so it's really cool to see someone like Talyn who is questioning that and who is working against those sort of... Ar- sort of ideals that I think cropped up again during Enterprise. You know, we have this weird renaissance, like Vulcan journey where they become more closed off and then they become more open and then they're more closed off again. And so there's like different Vulcan eras. And of course it depends on the ship and the Vulcan and everything. But I think that Talyn is really showing how you can be an exemplary member of a crew on a Vulcan ship, but also create new things, create new systems, expand your ship's parameters and make it better. This is the thing is that she's making the sensors better. She's making their scanners and like all the stuff she's, she's, it's not even like really her department or not her department. It's not really like in her like mission parameters right now, but she's doing it because she has extra time and she thinks that it'll help them. And it does, you know, and they, she still gets transferred for it. Crazy. It's crazy. I really hope that this leads to like a cyborg appearance because Oh my god. Yeah, I know. We I mean we've talked about this before. Like I would mm-hmm. just die to see Cyborg in Lower Decks. I don't Ugh. know if he's alive. Yeah. Um, cuz he's, <laughs> he's not. He's actually. older than Spock. Um right. And Spock and and, and, and does, dead hasn't, at this point. Hasn't Final Frontier already happened? Mm, 
Oh, I forgot and he he's straight dead up that. dies yeah. in front of Frontier. <laughs> <Dang> <laughs> Maybe we'll get like a Spock Hollow, I mean a, a Cyborg Hollow like we got in uh, <laughs> Discovery. <laughs> I'm floored. I forgot that he died. That man. It's dark, bro. Yeah. Man, that's dark. Well, maybe, like, God slash hell slash the demon can, like, <laughs> throw him on the Cerritos or something. Drop him down. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And when I think it's so funny that then Talyn is also, like, I do not understand what warrants this punishment of going on a human, like, yes. mostly human Starfleet ship. And that's true. Like, if you think about it, yes, Compared to her other Vulcan crew members, she's a lot more outspoken. She does use a lot of terms like, I feel, I had an instinct, I, you know, this or that, which they're like, instincts, feelings. To Lynn, we've talked about this. Wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thinking of her with a human crew, like, it's going to be T'Pol all over again. Well, I was going to say, she's going to be like, oh, this crew's really smelly. Like, humans are smelly. You yeah, know? They're, they're emotional and obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm just, like, hoping the best for Talyn because she literally saved the day. And it's only because she was deciding not to meditate when they told her to. And I'm sorry, but, like, I understand meditation is also a form of sleep and that Vulcans don't need as much sleep because they meditate and clear their thoughts and it really helps them center themselves. I understand all that, but like you shouldn't force someone to go meditate like as a punishment. I think that's ridiculous. It's really interesting because Vulcans, I think, view like their pursuit, their relentless pursuit of logic is their religion. And yeah. so it reminds me of like, you know, you hear the bells toll and know you got to pray um, yeah. That's it. That that's the case in many religions, and uh, I think that like strict meditation time is there like for a reason. And it, yeah, I mean, in this case, like it hinders the operation of the ship. Sometimes I'm not saying that like religion is bad, yeah. you know, no, nothing not like that. All. But I just I'm not think, saying that either. Yeah, yeah, I just think it's like let people thrive in in what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like Rutherford said, you know, like we were we should have been encouraging your enthusiasm, not tampering it down, and. That's what the Vulcans got to learn more, and I'm hoping that Talyn can find that on her next ship, that maybe people will be like, wow, your ideas are amazing, give us more of those, instead of, like, go meditate. I mean, <laughs> so. she, she could be the Spock of any she other ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. The thing is, is, like, I mean, I'm so biased because I love Vulcans, even if they're kind of dicks sometimes, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like their ship is beautiful they're like a lot smarter than humans like i'm, I'm just gonna say it not all humans obviously not all hashtag humans. not hashtag, all humans yeah okay <laughs> but like their iq in general there's i think she's still gonna be the spock of whatever ship she's on <laughs> exactly yeah so anyway i just oh, i'm so happy that they created a character like talyn and that we got a fairly detailed episode with her and i'm just really honored <laughs> same i love her i hope she returns same yes uh, well, I think it is time to talk about Captain Freeman. Woo, woo, woo. Woo, 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 indeed. This is fascinating, Ashlyn, like, getting to see these episodes through a feminism perspective more than, like, a motherhood or family perspective was super interesting to me because I learned a lot about Captain Freeman in these rewatches. Yeah, I did too. I think, you know, first impressions are really important and the episode the uh impression she gives off in the pilot of the series is really interesting like she's not like any other captain that we've come across and i know they're like this the whole episode's called second contact and the ship is supposed to be like california class it's not as good as galaxy class um yeah, or, or constitution or yeah like i and 
Captain Freeman is constantly battling against the idea that her ship is less than and therefore that she is less than. And I mean, it's got to be tough because her husband is an admiral, you know, so he's like higher oh ranked. Gosh. She's yeah. very competitive and she's actively always looking for ways to improve herself, improve the ship. Well, I should say improve herself in ways that she wants to. Yeah. I mean, she's going to therapy, which is good. Yeah. With the with the food man. <laughs> um, yeah, the bird therapist. Have you ever tried making a paella? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love um, that. But, like, she's almost to the point of, like, unprofessionalism. She's so distracted by Mariner because she's so worried that Mariner is going to destroy her chances of ever getting promoted or getting on a different ship or doing like exciting diplomacy missions and things like that so uh, yeah i totally agree with you i i saw freeman in a different viewpoint a different lens this episode and I, yeah i i love her though i still really love her i know she's constantly like an antagonist for mariner mm -hmm. uh but i have nothing but respect for her because she does all she does mean the best like absolutely even totally. if well and she shares so many qualities with mariner like even if what she's doing is yes. not quite like <laughs> above <laughs> bar yeah, yeah like the right thing to do i just i still really admire and respect her Yes, Ashlyn, I agree. I think my journey with Freeman has changed a lot. I think definitely my first watch through, she was painted as the antagonist, so I so I just saw her as only that way. And then when we did Family, I got to see more of her insights of like, oh my gosh, I see why she's being so hard on Mariner, but I also see why it's ridiculous how hard she is on Mariner, you know? And so we get to see both of those sides, and now just to see her as herself and not a person attached to Mariner, because mothers aren't just mothers. They're captains, and they're badass women and all this other stuff that it's really cool to see her not as just Mariner's mom and I think it helps me to really understand her commanding style in a, in a way I hadn't before it's particularly when watching uh Temporal Edict because I remember Ashlyn and I it's sort of funny because like this literally this episode spawns from an inside joke that we've had since we were like middle schoolers it's about cr it's like, crazy yeah. it's really crazy that we had an episode about it because we always joke how like Picard is super worried about everyone getting time off and he wants them all to have breaks and Kirk is literally like work yourself to death Spock I know you're sick stay on the bridge you know like there have been literal episodes of that in animated and in original <laughs> the Patreon we just recorded the uh, Pirates Spock of Orion <laughs> yeah. he's like on the bridge and McCoy's like he's gonna die in seven hours <laughs> like <laughs> I'm like, why is he still working? This is crazy. Let and him so lay we've down. Always joked. Yeah. yeah, we've always joked that, like, um, you know, if Kirk saw they had buffer time, he'd probably pull Freeman, you know, and that if Picard did, he probably already knows about buffer time. Yeah, I'm um, sure he does. Yeah, because he was... That's the thing that cracks me up is, like, they were ensigns, too. It's exactly like you said, Ashlyn, with um, Captain Gomez. Like, Freeman's the opposite. She forgot exactly what it was like to be... A lower decker and to be in that lower ranking position and to have less power and knowledge and like just wherewithal you know I think that there's so many skills that instance are still learning that you just like have down by heart by the time you're a captain that she makes a lot of unfair assessments of people below her because she assumes oh I did all this you should know how to do all this and it's something that I see a lot of adults fall into I remember being a high schooler and being really upset and frustrated that adults around me didn't understand what I was going through and I'm like you went through high school you know what it's like to have your your 
hormones out of balance and everything's hard and and social interactions you know there's so many things in high school that are really tricky for teenagers to navigate and adults don't give them that respect and understanding that they deserve and so i think that this is similar with lower decks characters is that the command while they're given why they're given such a bad rap is because they don't listen and respect the the lower decks and this is a journey that Freeman goes on as well. And so we see this in Temporal Edict where she's placing in the, the no break time, no buffer time. Um, and I feel like it truly is her taking her stress and her feelings of inadequacy out on her crew. And this is what she tends to do and why I had a hard time with her as a captain in the beginning because of episodes like this where you're like, it's not even their fault that like the conference was moved from Cardassia. That wasn't even Freeman's fault. You know, it's not anything that she can control, but that's why she puts this in place is because it's the only thing she can control is the timing of her, or is the like, how she feels her ship is running efficiently. That does bug me when like people take their own stress out on other people, especially like non-suspecting ensigns and stuff, um, and her own bridge crew. But I did like that she did implement it throughout the entire, like, the, the senior staff, the low, the lower decks, everybody was on the schedule because when Boimler finds out, he's so much more surprised. He's like, we thought it was just us that, were, that was on this mandate. And so it shows that she's trying to hold even herself to a higher standard, which I respect so deeply. Yes. Thank you for everything you said. I, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like kind of going back to what you're saying about how she doesn't remember what it's like to be a lower decker. I, I feel like there's such a complicated relationship that people have with the past and yeah. also with the future. And Captain Freeman, especially, I think just in general, like anybody who's really competitive, you are constantly thinking about how you did this last time or like, how can I improve? How can I improve? And constantly like comparing yourself to other people, comparing yourself to yourself, to your past. And so mm -hmm. I feel like when Freeman looks back and thinks about Mariner, especially because Mariner's in Lower Decks and she's younger, she's her daughter, mm -hmm. um, Mariner, Freeman, we have no idea what her youth was like or what her time on, in Starfleet was like at all. Yeah. Um, but if it was something like she was really like had a, had a tough time, she might like block out that, you know, and not yeah. think about it. Or if she was amazing, and then it's even more um, like fuel for her to say, I was amazing. Like, why are yeah, you like, such crap? You know? Exactly. And so either way, like she can justify like not being able to, um, I'm not saying like life is that black and white, you know? Sure. Obviously. Um, but it, uh, I, I think either way, like she doesn't take the time to like consider other people's perspectives she does like when it matters obviously but yeah. not like i mean that's like the whole joke about being in lower decks like she's not empathizing with the ensigns and i also kind of think that it's not her job like true kirk and uh, i don't want to say kirk i think picard even though he has such a like shell around him he can empathize and like like you said like he knows about buffer time probably yeah. um and can empathize and so i feel like freeman is just like she has her own growing to do too like totally. because she's in this quote-unquote second class third i don't know what class order california class yeah. is in but um she's not quite the like i don't know she hasn't like grown into herself yet because she's yeah. at war with herself um and exactly. so yeah so she's just a really interesting character and but like none of that stops her from being 
awesome. I, I, so the example about how like the, um, the conference was moved and she's so annoyed. And I think yeah. that's just another like great way about digging into the like minutia of being a captain because um, I would be so frustrated if I learned how, like she says, I learned how to bark out Cardassian small talk for weeks. Yes. Like it'd be so annoying, but also you can use it for later, you know, like true. she's just very, she can, she can be focused on the negative a lot too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think because it's not like those, like she's like the Admiral says, Oh, you know, there'll be another once in a lifetime peace <laughs> summit sometime. That kind of stuff is just like, ah, oh, painful. And but with someone like Picard who works on the the, the literal ship of the fleet, what's it called? The flagship. <laughs> um he knows there's going to be another life-changing peace summit. And so if they can't go to one, that's no skin off his back, but you're right with with the California class ships those are so rare and, and and far in between that even like the embarrassment of the Doppler episode. Oh my God. Um, so good. Or Dopplers or whatever, where um, they're trying to get into a Starfleet party, you know, like the thought, the thought that a captain on a starship couldn't get into a Starfleet party is so effed to me is so like gatekeepy, you know? And I think that that's partially what Freeman is dealing with too here is sort of this like gatekeep culture on galaxy class versus constitution versus California um or whatever i know there's probably others i'm not very versed with the ships of the fleet but um i just think that that also plays in a huge role is the fact that she's constantly being underestimated and so um she's really happy to dive into these dangerous situations in order i think to be also recognized and her success with the pack lids and everything though it paid a big price with shacks at the time he's fine now <laughs> um but like fine-ish <laughs> um, Ish, yeah i'm having one right now <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just think about shacks a lot um, uh it still was like her time for to be noticed and to have a big victory and so i think that that's got to be really hard is having even like starfleet admirals especially your husband who probably couldn't even get you into a party like that's kind of embarrassing you know it and really i think is. maybe she's feeling similarly to how Mariner felt with R Ramsey there. Sort of this inadequacy of, oh, my peers around me are on Constitution-class ships, and I'm still here with this California class with a crew that, with a daughter who doesn't respect me, and a crew that is using buffer time and all this stuff. So I think it builds for her. A lot of those inadequate feelings build until she's nowhere to put them but on her crew or herself. I totally agree with you. I think it reminds me of what I was saying earlier about how Tendi feels like every interaction with Ta'ana has to go well. Yeah. Marin or Captain Freeman feels that way about every like diplomatic mission or every like interaction with Starfleet. It's like, I have to be perfect. I have to be amazing and I have to yeah. get promoted. And it's really interesting in the finale. I'm just going to like jump into yeah. it um, because she is there. Season one or two? Season two, um, the finale yeah. of what we know so far. She is promoted and she's going to be moved to a new ship. And yeah. of course, everyone's like mad because she didn't tell them right away. Um, and then everything goes wrong. Um, where And then she's being accused at the end of the episode for aiding the Paclids. No, and, no, for planting a Viridian oh, bomb. Yes, On yes. Paclid planet. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Destroyed. Which is crazy. 
Um, it's got to be the Klingons. That's my guess. And it's wrong, like obviously. Wrong. And so, yeah. like once again, you know, she's kind of she's not not that she's been framed a lot for things, but just <laughs> like once again, she's not getting what she deserves. Yes. And uh, I just feel terrible for her because like she's doing her best and she is working with a lot. And I feel like like what you were saying about how healthy is it for Mariner and um for the two Freemans to be on board like how good is that I think it's constantly a distraction for Mm -hmm. for Captain Freeman because she always has one eye on Mariner you know yes exactly I mean she literally makes Boimler spy on her her, the first episode like making crewmen spy on each other is like real dicey you know and like especially not explaining why um I think absolutely right. Mariner is her blind spot, but also can they when they work together and stop and put their arguments aside? They're a very good team. Like in this in this uh, finale, and in the one yeah in the finale where they're like literally stripping the hull and um, and that's when you know and I mean we've seen Mar or we've seen Freeman turn to Mariner and say like I need a half baked dangerous solution right now that'll break Starfleet pro- protocol. Because she knows her daughter can get that stuff done. And so I love when, huh, I love it when parents just set aside their coddling, like, instincts and instead trust their kids to do what they know they do best. Because that's where both parties thrive. And that's where we really see them at their best um, and saving the day, you know. And so, like, I have a lot of respect for when Freeman just, like, brushes that off. But it also makes me think, like, because obviously they don't share a last name, like, I'm sure that was intentional. I'm sure that, like, maybe it's Admiral Mariner or something or Admiral Freeman or maybe Mariner chose her middle name to go by. Like, it seems, like, very intentional. Obviously, they're trying to hide that they're on the same ship and stuff, but, uh, or that they're, like, related to each other. But I think it's interesting that they went far enough to, like, choose different names. Yeah, I mean, when Mariner, when everyone finds out that that's her mom, she suddenly does get all this special treatment. Oh, yeah. And that's... So much that's sucking ex- up. Yeah. exactly what she was trying to avoid. And mm-hmm. also, Captain Freeman didn't want her name, like, tarnished by Mariner's, like, crazy record, yeah. you know, from being promoted and demoted and... Which, of course, probably makes Mariner feel ashamed, like, like that her mom's ashamed of her. Yeah, exactly. Which she kind of is. <laughs> yeah. So it's this, like, really tricky... Oh, it's such a tricky, tricky relationship. And yeah, so I love to see them thriving and see them working together. But I think overall, it's just, yeah, it's not good for either of them. I mean, they talk about this, even in schools, you can't have your parent, like if you go to the same school as your parent who's a teacher, they can't be your teacher, you know, like you have to be in the other class. Um, Because there is this conflict of interest. And there's just so much extra emotion that comes with kids that like, maybe there should be a rule against having like, a little like I see maybe if she were first officer or a command or like a lieutenant commander or something it'd be a little easier I think because she's not constantly like in charge of literally everyone including Mariner but because she's the captain that adds a whole layer of like difficulty conflict of interests yeah 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 so um well and yeah so I think her biggest growth moments are absolutely in the episode um i excretus which mm-hmm. is of course the episode with all of the uh simulations and the tests and everything and how she will literally blackmail this lady uh in order for them to not get a failing grade but also the lady was blackmailing them so it was like <laughs> cheating them so yep. cheat the cheater i love what mariner said at the end of that episode like 
uh, I love seeing a jerk lose her job or something. <laughs> I'm just like, nice. <laughs> no better feeling. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And so it is cool to see because they work together in that one. And I love how in the middle of the episode when they've tra- changed roles, you know, it, it deeply reminds me of this MASH episode where they have to change roles. It's like a Boxing Day tradition thing. Um, and they really learned, like, wow, I'm humbled. Like, no wonder, yeah, like, Radar does runs the entire camp, you know, or like, oh my gosh, these lower decks, people never know what's going on. They're always stacking crates for no reason. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and of course, then it gives Mariner and her friends perspective of like, wow, these are truly life, save, life or death situations every single day. And no wonder Freeman's so stressed out. I would be if I, like, I know I'm not fit to be a captain solely because of those reasons, like... Those on-the-fly, really tough decisions are what, like, stand you above the rest. Absolutely. I love that episode. And I think that also brings out um, just, like, more evidence of her, like, competition, you know, when she's, like, trying to bribe the lady. Um, But then also that she can still see, like, morality. Like, she's not so blinded by the competition that she's like, okay. (laughs) I know the line. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Like, like Ta'ana, you know, she knows the line when to be like, okay, now it's serious. Exactly. Um, and, and that, like, I love that the end of that episode ends with the Lower Decks people mingling with the bridge crew, you know, and we have more of, or, like, less of the separation, and, um, and to develop an appreciation for each other like that is essential, and exactly what Mariner and Freeman need, like, the two of them need to understand what each other goes through to, in order to understand each other, so. I, I think definitely their relationship goes back and forth between, like, estrangement to like let's work together let's be a team and then like no let's stay away from each other and then I think finally like at the end of season two they are really starting to like get it going and um it's just I'm really nervous to see what happens in the next season with with Captain Uh, Freeman I'm just so frustrated that it was Freeman too like it's just ugh. like seriously she's like amazing and I know I just ugh, ugh, yeah so I'm just excited to see Mariner, like, go to bat for Freeman in this next season well, and, like, yeah. free her and all this. Exactly. Maybe this will really... Because we we haven't really seen, like, any kind of, like... Uh, there's always, like, a cliche episode, you know, where it's, yeah. like, someone tells someone else how they feel about their mom, or, you know, yeah. and it's, like, the mom is listening all along, and yeah. it's, like, so sweet, you know? Like, that kind of thing would be mm-hmm. really nice. <laughs> yeah, and they, they haven't really had a watershed moment yet. They've had yeah. moments where they come to an agreement, you know, like, in the finale, where Mariner's, like, oh, my God, like, I told my mom I hated her, and I don't. It's just, like, there's pent-up feelings, and, like, we could all die. And they're, like, go, go talk to your mom. Like, we'll take care of cetacean ops. Like, I just love that, that then they gave her the space to go and patch things up with her mom in case they all died like that's huge that's very important mariner like i'm glad that she has friends to push her in those directions emotionally when she needs it well i was just gonna start talking about mariner now yeah uh just that point exactly i i think that's a really great moment for mariner too because she feels like she has to do everything and so finally she's michael burnham vibes yes michael burnham vibes um and so finally she's able to let go and then i love when she's running away you know her friends are like go 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 be with your mom and she's like you're right i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry and i've I've totally felt like that too where it's like your friends remind you and you're like oh my gosh it's fine. I can trust you guys. Someone you can else get it can done. control this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because she is so much like her mom in that way, where she has to be in control of every situation or be the leader. And, like, 
she of course says that she's not doesn't want the captain's chair and stuff and a part of me thinks she's gonna do a tilly you know and completely leave starfleet or take a different path within starfleet i don't think or so. a part of me thinks she's yep. gonna end up in the captain's chair and that these little subtleties we're seeing throughout are showing that like she is meant to lead and like she is most comfortable in a leadership role and doing stuff all by herself like we were saying very independent which of course you have to like this is where i think she's gonna be if she decides to become a captain she could become a great one is because she's learning these lessons like she has already got the leadership skills she just needs the ability to let to delegate and let other people's help people help her you know and this is something that Riker had to instill into Picard and like so many captains struggle with I mean Chakotay and Janeway too I think Chakotay really helped to be like hey you have a whole crew here to help you stop doing everything by yourself and that's what Mariner is learning from her friends you know that like especially like we were saying in that last episode absolutely uh I also now want to jump back to the beginning because I remember one of my first um like kind of issues with Lower Decks is the character of Mariner because yeah. she's so, and this is like first time watching, obviously yeah. everyone knows now that I love her yeah, um, and I love the show, but she's so like, she just breaks protocol all the time. And yeah. the fact that she was like drunk in the first scene and she has all this contraband, it was just Wild. such a like shocking difference compared to, you know, uh, okay, they swear in Discovery, but no one's, like, drunk on duty, you know? Yeah. Um, or if they are, they're about to die, so it's fine. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the Earth and Raw and Vulcan the are about bar. to die. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I, I did said, the same thing at that pod. Oh, so. Lord. Um. Anyway, yeah, so I that was such a, like, shock to me to see that happen. Yeah, same. But Mariner is just, like, such an incredible person, and I think... She's really someone who is always fighting the good fight, even when she doesn't have to. Like, she makes trouble for herself because she wants to have a good time. And I also, uh, one of my favorite episodes is, um, I think it's Moist Vessel, where um, Freeman, or or, yeah, where Captain Freeman makes her do all the worst jobs. Yes. And she, and um, (laughs) Mariner makes it fun. Like, she she makes, like, scraping off the carbon a a competition. Like, he's like, She's somehow managing to pump joy into otherwise horrible tasks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like, that's where she thrives. It's like at the bottom. And I think she's someone who doesn't like to be in the spotlight. Yeah. And like she thrives in the dark, in the back alleys. Yes. Yeah. And I really, I really like, rec- I really um, recognize that because I feel it myself a lot where if I have expectations set up where I have to do these things, like do X, Y, Z, I put too much pressure on myself to like, okay, they have to be perfect now. But yeah. if I do something completely random, this I, I don't know if I make any sense, but like if I, if I show up and do something that like wasn't expected of me and I do it really, really well, yeah. I, for, in my perspective, that's more impressive than like doing something else yeah that I was expecting yeah, to do yeah. well I don't know I if know that makes sense mm-hmm. it but it is causes it, I've had problems where like I get really good like at soccer I played soccer for a long time um and then suddenly it's like you have to go you're like in high school and it's like are you gonna go like pursue this you're gonna go yeah. play this in college and then I was like mm, I don't know like I'm I'm gonna sing instead like yeah you know because it's just too much pressure to like 
really and and it's scary to like follow your dreams or like follow the expectations of people around you so i really okay. understand mariner and i i feel like i don't know if this is a phase like her like crazy hanging out in ensign town like if it's a phase yeah. you know like just her inner 20s i just like mm-hmm. effed around a lot um or and like what we were just talking about if it's gonna lead to something else or if she's just gonna stay here forever and have a great time i don't know yeah, I'm so curious, like, how they're going to lead her character on the show. Because even from, like, we were just talking about the finale and now we're talking about the pilot. I think it's really interesting to, to like, put the two of them together. Because even in two seasons, two very short, <laughs> I want more seasons. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Mariner has changed a lot. She has become more of a team player. She has opened up a little bit. She's... <laughs> way more relaxed around her friends i think that this first episode she's kind of showy she's very much presenting this side of herself that is a little bit over the top like anti-starfleet or anti like i you know like she's like i hate the warp core i you know i she's saying all this stuff like that's an unimportant closet and he's like actually that's pretty important op station or something you know and like all this stuff that she's really playing on the like I'm a cool, I'm a cool ensign who, like, doesn't care about the rules and stuff, and, like, her sort of maverick personality, which I think is a way to sort of show Tendi right away who, th- who she is, and also make her feel at home, like, hey, I, I can be sort of this, like, casual friend who shows you the cool stuff in the holodeck, while Boimler can be your, like, stuck-up friend who keeps you on time to things or whatever, um, so it is interesting because I don't, you know, I don't think it's super showy, but I think it's just enough for Tendi, you know, and, and enough for the audience obviously they're trying to show us who like what mariner's style is and stuff um but then to just learn different things about how like she actually like loves exploring and she loves being like boots on the ground you know like back alley missions like we were saying and um she's so so smart she knows like so many species so many she's so many experiences that like boimler says this a lot like if you applied yourself to the rules and stuff of starfleet like you could be moved up so much faster because of your experiences but that's exactly the crux of it is she doesn't want to be moved up and I don't know if like if it's a phase or if it's her like but I think it's all part of her journey you know and that's what I love so much about it is that like we would not have Mariner if not for these things if not for her rolled up sleeves and her like non-regulation way of talking to the captains and stuff and i love when she goes like permission to speak freely and ransom goes you always do yes (laughs) Yes. like you know that's just her and i think there's something refreshing about it it just took me an episode or so to get used to i think you're absolutely right watching this the first time i felt way worse for boimler and i was way more on boimler's side of like oh my god girl like you gotta like straighten up a little if you know you want to get to the rank up but then realizing that's not a goal and it doesn't have to be you know like I think so much of our life corporately or like uh capitalism wise is about ranking up essentially is about getting that promotion getting that raise moving up in your field is always like the goal and you want to be as high as you can by the time you're you know you're retired me too (laughs) me too Anna (laughs) (laughs) um but in this circumstance that's just not how everyone operates like I don't want to be CEO of some place that's not like my goal in life you know and so I think that it's really cool that she's not following that path and 
I think that, yeah, anyway. I think that people can get really stuck on these superficial goals that, like, you have to achieve as a human. Yeah. It's interesting we've brought this up a lot, Rihanna, in this podcast. Like, this is the second time we're coming back to it. Like, yeah, it's just really interesting. And uh, just a reminder that, like, set your own goals. And it doesn't yeah. have to be anything fancy. Like Set if your own timeline. Society doesn't have to approve of your goals, you know. I mean, don't, like you know, have like a murderous goal or anything, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be Buffalo Bill, but, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know, just, I, I'm so excited to see where the character of Mariner takes us, and Same. I, I, again, once again, at a moist vessel, I thought it was interesting that when, you know, Captain Freeman's trying to figure out, well, what is Mariner's worst job? It's being promoted, yeah. and she gets yeah. her Lieutenant Pip, and she hates it, and she, like, is lifeless, you know? Like, yeah. at first, I think she's trying to, like, oh, you know... Lay like, it on thick. Yeah, lay it on thick, but then by the end, she's just, like, worn out and, like, has tired. no joy in life and tired, and it it's hard in a different way, you know? And you know why? She, it's, like, this was so telling to me, too, about who Mariner really is, is that... Her real complaint about her large quarters is that she's so far away from everyone. And I love this little detail about her because it means, like, she loves being around people. She's very much someone who thrives around others. And as much as she's independent, she really likes to sort of show people her skills and her progress and stuff. And so... It, it is sad to see her isolated, and that's essentially what Freeman's doing to her. And I'm glad that Mariner calls her out at the end and is like, seriously, you, like, did this to me wanting me to um, transfer. Like, mm-hmm. that's messed up. Like, you you're know? childish. And, yeah. Yeah, and so they're both sort of like, yeah, sorry, we were such dicks. <laughs> you know, like, they were both admitted to that. And so that was really, really cool and, like, a good growth moment for them. And, um, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one last thing I do want to bring up about Mariner is, of course, her, like, self-protective instincts and, like, her desire to, of course, while she wants friends, she doesn't want them to get too close or they might know the real her and they might get to know, like, her deeper sides. And I think that's something she's wary of because, one, she's been moving around a lot and, two, she says she, quote, likes having a mystique, you know, and so she likes to be mysterious because it scares people away and it makes them like she starts all these rumors about herself um and it's a scare jerks away she says yeah exactly well because she's had that happen in the past where people like she she just wants to have her shields up at all times essentially Mm -hmm. and uh I love that bartender who is just always taking in the gossip and is like, OMG, Mariners yeah. are like, if we're working for Section 31. <laughs> Literally, he doesn't even question it. So yeah. Good. Yeah. And so that, that is, that's such a special episode because both Boimler and Rutherford and Mariner get to sort of lay out their insecurities to each other. And Mariner says, you know, I just don't want to get close to people in case they hurt me. And they say, like, how could someone as cool as you hang out with us, you know? And so I'm really glad that they have that talk and she like puts it to them to save the day. And that is not what, what season one Mariner would do, you know? And so she's, she's grown so much as a person. And like you said, I just can't wait to see her continue to grow. I think that, uh, you know, when Boimler leaves, we see her like totally freak out Yeah. and she's like, she's calling him and leaving him a ton of messages. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, like it's, 
it's for show, you know, like, haha, like, I'm mad at you. But also, yeah. like, she is deeply hurt by Definitely. his. And she actually uses the word betrayal several times. And even when her mom's being promoted and leaving the ship, she says that's yeah. betrayal, too. Which yes. is so, like, opposite yeah. of how, like, Starfleet operates. And also just how you should, like, celebrate your friends, you know? That's it's like, thing. just be happy yeah. for them. And it's not about, it's not a personal slight on you. Um, it just always feels like it to her because she's so used to people leaving her. And so used to feeling like she's the reason, I think. And so, like, because she's been told her whole life that she's reckless and careless and child. Well, I and don't know that. her whole life. Cause Not in, her whole life, because she's she was a child recently. <laughs> well, and also, like, in Starfleet, um, or in yeah, the true. Academy, in the she academy. was really, like, nose to the grindstone. That's so true, yeah. So and something so, happened that we don't know about. I know, like, can we have, like, a tapestry-esque flashback here? Even for Freeman, I would love, like, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for all of yeah. it. Oh my gosh, yeah, so... I think that's so true. And granted, Boimler did leave in the middle of the night without saying goodbye. So I think that's like way worse than what Freeman did, you know, because Freeman was going to tell everyone. It's just she was looking for the right moment. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I, I think it's just so interesting to see these characters. And I just love this show so much. I'm so, so glad it exists. It literally is like one of my go-to comfort shows and I don't care how many times I've seen these episodes you know yeah same my goal is to have my husband watch all of them because yes oh he's seen Discovery and I was slowly without him noticing gonna like turn him into a Trekkie so yeah Lower Decks is the perfect way in (laughs) (laughs) I love that I literally gave my girlfriend a um, watch list of like which series to go for uh, in which order so we're already uh, she's I've already told her she's gonna be a Trekkie so (laughs) (laughs) mine was very clear yeah (laughs) oh my gosh well Ashlyn thank you for having this wonderful discussion I can't believe how deep we got with Lower Decks characters this is a a joy I did not expect it and but I'm not surprised because that's who we are you know we're just like everyone in Lower Decks we are nerding out about things that we're obsessed with so exactly (laughs) Well, Rihanna, thank you for joining me today, and I hope we have a great week. Yeah. Good move. Live long and prosper sarcastically. (laughs) Don't do that sarcastic Vulcan salute. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the 11th episode of our feminism series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the amazing women in Prodigy. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, and movies. If you haven't heard a particular series, please go back and listen to any of these episodes. Social Media and Marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and our outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. 
Ashlyn, before we get into 10D, let's first ask, is that a bird over here? No, that's Archie. I know, but there's also a bird outside. I can't hear the bird at all. Oh. Huh. Okay. I hear no bird. You don't hear that? It's like right by the window. Okay. Anyway, that's no, great. I don't. 